Welcome to another episode of Wicked Smart. Today, we are lucky enough to have someone I've been hearing about a lot. And uh, I really want to get, I really want to hear all about a kid called Beast. But welcome to the stage, Raspy. Raspy, man, thanks for being here. Um, thanks for coming through. Tell us what's going on. I want to hear everything from soup to nuts. How are yeah, you, first sure. of all? First of all, how are you, man? <laughs> uh, doing better, doing better every day. Um, <laughs> Glad to yeah, hear it. I've no, just been focusing on getting myself back to like baseline with my mental health and like my physical health and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's been good. It's been really good. Just working away, getting through a lot of different tasks that we have lined up for for uh, some of our roadmap fulfillments. So, so yeah, just been keeping busy nonstop every day. Yeah, I like it, man. I've been hearing interesting stuff, like like kid called Beast, awesome. Kid called Beast, not. And it's like, what? Who cares? Like, I think you guys are doing a. I think you guys are doing a great job. And I think a kid called Beast is like super unique art. I like how you guys like. I th- I thought it went well. Um. But that's just my opinion, you know, like I want to hear, I, I want to hear more of like the, you know, the, the Rafsby, like how you got into the space, like what was your, what was the reasoning for it? Like, how did you, you know what I mean? Like, I want to hear like the origin story of Rafsby. You mind? Yeah, for that? sure. Okay, cool. You don't have to, by yeah, the way, so, if you're not docs, by the way, you don't have to share any of that either. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm fully, fully docs. <laughs> oh, okay. Been, I wasn't I, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's all good. Like a lot of people, uh, especially founders in the space, uh, aren't. Um, yeah, true story. I, yeah. I mean, I think if you're, uh, you're in the space. I think it's kind of almost like a responsibility at this point to be uh, doxed in a, in a lot of cases, just because like you're handling, you know, uh, investments uh, sometimes ranging in the millions of dollars, right? So I think it's good that people know, you know, what's happening, what's going on, who's in charge, um, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, anyways, I guess like my my origin story. Um, I've been an entrepreneur for 15 years. Uh, started when I was 19 years old. Um, you know, 34 now. Um, started my first, uh, business, uh, doing music events, nightclubs, um, you know, hosting, I guess, uh, like raves, I guess I want to say kind of like parties, uh, I got into, uh, running nightclubs, uh, hosting large music festivals, did that for like five or six years, um, decided to, it was time to exit the space just cause like it was, uh, taking, I guess, big toll on my, my mind and my body, um, just like with all the, the partying and whatnot. So I got into uh, a digital marketing, um, started building out, uh, you know, different campaigns and stuff for brands, um, you know, doing a lot of, uh, like graphic design, video work, a bunch of stuff like that. Um, we started a tea company, me and my wife as well, too. We did very, very well with that. Um, yeah, from there, you know, did digital marketing for like a few years and then got into, uh, investing, took a deep dive into like foreign exchange investing, gold investing. Um, I'm kind of like a obsessive personality when it comes to things I like and, and things I like working on. So, uh, I went, really went down the rabbit hole, uh, when it comes to investing, uh, gone to gold trading and foreign exchange trading, uh, did that for about four or five years. Um, gone to like some algorithm building stuff, doing some like kind of contract work for some, uh, some bank type things as well. And, uh, yeah, pretty much like, um, you know, set myself up for life, uh, doing that. Um, and yeah, you know, learn about, uh, crypto, uh, pretty, not, not, it's not early on, but I guess like after the second, uh, bear market, um, you know, took some, took some dives into Bitcoin and Ethereum, um, you know, did, did pretty well with that, uh, exited out some of those positions, got into like Newark tokens and coins, like, uh, Polkadot, Algorand, 
um, uh, Cardano, uh, Cosmos, a bunch of these like uh, newer up and coming kind of blue chip coins. Um, you know, did some consulting work with a few of them as well. Um, yeah, kind of, uh, you know, did the whole coin and token thing, uh, you know, rode the ups and downs and then, uh, discovered NFTs and digital collectibles. And at first, um, you know, when people were kind of like describing, describing them as JPEGs, it didn't make a lot of sense. So I didn't give them, you know, much mind, but as, as soon as I started kind of realizing that they can be used as uh, gated opportunities and memberships, um, I got, I got really kind of, uh, my, my focus and pivot kind of shifted towards that. I realized that these have the potential to do amazing things and companies can be built in completely new ways that they've ever been able to be built uh, in before. And uh, you know, being able to connect communities uh, around art, music, fashion, culture, uh, that had a huge, huge appeal to me because uh, it kind of encompassed all of my, my personal interests into one and uh, allowed me to meet like, like-minded people. So I was like, I got to do this. This is this is definitely uh, what's been missing, I guess, in my life. And uh, yeah, we started kind of working on this this project. After that, that's kind of the the fast track uh, version of that. Without the uh, you know ups and downs, without going almost near homeless along the way, um, having to build back uh, you know everything after uh, you know doing really well at a young age. And uh, yeah, like a lot of obviously trials and tribulations of being an entrepreneur along the way. But uh, yeah, here we are. And we're building this amazing brand. We got an amazing community, and uh, excited to to keep going and keep growing. Yeah, I'm, uh, wow, that's a crazy story. Uh, almost going homeless for something you believe in—that's uh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like when when I used to do uh, like nightclubs and events and stuff, like there was a point like because uh, I was like you know 19 years old at the time, right? So right. you know, came into a ton of money, was spending it obviously frivolously on on people who you know were my friends, quote unquote. Uh, making sure <laughs> friends making when you sure have the money. Had a good time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Making sure everybody ha- was having a good time and whatnot, and then. Uh, yeah, like uh, I guess, like you know, I didn't realize at that age that nightclubs and and, and these kind of things have their life cycle. Um, they're not they're not you know popular forever, right? And so uh, as uh, you know, the business started to decline because you know new nightclubs came out, and new new trends came out. Um, you know, the the spending was just kind of a habitual, right? When it came to like, um, you know, trying to please everybody else, and so so yeah, I became basically like I was just spending and. Uh, wasn't really like thinking about what the next uh, game plan was. I didn't really have a game, another game plan besides doing that at the time. And uh, yeah, I basically uh, ended up with like thousand bucks left to my name. I had to live on a, in a mattress in my mom's basement um, for like five, six months. Uh, after, hey, that's, after, a, like, hey, that's a good mom. Like, that's a good mom. A lot of moms wouldn't let you back yeah, in. You yeah, know? no. So. Like, I, I, like, she, she was, she was reluctant too. She was reluctant. Um, <laughs> I believe it, dude. I believe it. But yeah, my, my wife stuck by me the entire time. Um, like she, she stayed loyal, like loyal to me, and like didn't like leave me or like you know say like, hey, you know, like it's been, it's been fun, and uh, she, she stuck by me the entire time. She went through that whole experience and journey with me. Wow. Um, Respect. Yeah, that's rare. Yeah, that no. is a rare person yeah, right there yeah. so like we've been together for for uh 14 years um and uh yeah it's i mean she's like my the best person i've ever met in my life by a long shot um yeah so uh you know she stuck by me um you know in my mom's basement we started this uh this e-commerce business uh this digital marketing company and uh and six months later we bought our first house uh, outright um so like it literally went from like being hopeless and thinking like, this is it, this is over. Like I'm a burnout to, uh, getting a second chance. That's and amazing. so from that point, 
I, I just like realized like, Hey, like if you just work your ass off for whatever you want, uh, and just blinders on focus, 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 nothing else matters. Just get to your, your, uh, your goal with, with your partners or, or whoever you're working on, on your idea with, you will get there. You will achieve it. Uh, and every single time I've practiced that it's always worked out. I've never had a business fail with that mentality. I like the mentality, man. I mean, that's, that's hugely important. And, you know, you said, uh, you know, you were looking for outside validation back, you know, when you first, you know, you were doing your clubs and promotions and stuff like that. You were basically looking for everybody else to like, Hey man, you know, I'm buying drinks tonight. Cause you're used to that. And you're, you basically are spending all the money. And as soon as you stop spending all the money, as soon as you stop partying like that, you basically, you know, those people kind of like went the way of the dodo, like they disappeared. Oh yeah. No, it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's like part of like the nightclub thing, right? There's people that come out to you. So you got to like, you know, buy their little group, like a round of shots or whatever. And then like, um, yeah, it just, it got to the point where the bartenders knew that if I do a round of like vodka shots to pour me water. And if I do a round of like something dark, uh, they know to pour me Coca-Cola because, uh, <laughs> like otherwise I would just get way too like out of it, uh, doing that whole thing. Like I just like learned the, the routines and the tips and tricks to like, you know, make sure everybody's having fun without getting intoxicated yourself. Cause like it gets if you do it every week for like five years, it's just like, you don't even want to do it anymore. Like it doesn't have any appeal whatsoever. Right. I definitely know how that feels, bro. I definitely know how it is to have the fair weather friends too. They're all around when you're like hanging out. Oh yeah. Sure. You're on top Everybody's of the, the there's so many people there when like, you're like, you're the, you know, you're with the band or you are the band, you know, like they're all like, Oh yeah, I'm with that guy. And then as soon as you, <laughs> as soon as you're not like, you're not like Johnny on the spot, they're all like, yeah, sorry. I got to go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They move on to the next person. I, I know exactly how that is. I'm not stupid. Like I know people are like obviously try to do that all the time now too. Like people Sucks. hit you in the DMs and yeah. they're like, Oh mm -hmm. yeah, you know, I, I missed the mint and uh, you know, is there anything you know, like I love this project? Like I well, I mean, like, no, like I'm not going to give you an NFT <laughs> value that you know, thirty two hundred Amer American dollars because you decided you want to be nice to me today to try to get something for free out of so me. Like I'm not crazy. I'm not stupid, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's, I've been around, I've been through this experience before. Like I'm not naive. I understand what people are trying to like manipulate me to get free stuff. Um, a hundred percent. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the worst feeling ever, man. It, I've definitely harsh, been there. I've definitely been there. Like don't think about like how it affects you on the other side. Like, like on a mental health note, um, it's like, they basically treat you as a point of leverage, not as a human being on the other end. Right. Right. And I think that sucks. I think that sucks when people like don't consider that there's like, a human being on the other end. When you're making a request like that, you're dehumanizing somebody and dehumanizing the hard work that they put into stuff. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. I mean, I remember people selling NFTs in my spaces back in, uh, you know, mid to early 2021, April, May 2021, and they were selling their one of ones and people were instantly in their DMs going, can I have some ETH? Can I have this? Can I have that? And it's like, dude, like these people work their ass off to sell their one of one NFT. Finally, they sold it in the space I was hosting. And then now you're asking them for the money they spent like coming up to talk, making the art, you know, minting it, doing all the work. Oh, dude. Um, and it, it like, sucks too. Cause like th th there's definitely circumstances and situations like we're like, like my DMS when I go through the, the request section, it's like, I, I, I read some of the most like sad and depressing stuff. Like yeah, people will say like, they, they literally will say like, Oh, my daughter has cancer. Like this NFT would change my life. Like this, like they like, constantly just like stuff like that. And you're like, like you just feel like shit. And like, I, what I came up with like earlier last year is I had this alt account that I use and it just kind of like, like, I know I can't help everybody obviously, right, right. but I have this alt account I use that. I just like, I give out like 
you know, 20 to a hundred dollars off of it. Just like randomly, I host like giveaways. I love and nobody that, knows. Yeah. Nobody knows that I have this account. Uh, I just like do it because like, honestly, it can kind of like helps me like my, my conscience, I guess, and my soul in, in like the sense of like, at least I'm giving stuff to people that, that could really, really use it. And when they win and like, I target groups that I know are like, they're not well off, but like groups that like, if, if I don't do this, they'll probably go out and just like start scamming people instead to get that money. Right. Yeah. Yep. So, so like in a way I feel like, you know, 20 bucks to them will go so much further than like 20 bucks to somebody like in the Western world. Right. Yeah. Uh, 100%. So I just like, I'll do like little like ETH giveaways and like, like little things like that. Um, you know, cause at the end of the day, it's like what you, you give out like, you know, five grand every, every few weeks, uh, you know, and you, and you break that down into like 20 bucks. You're actually helping like quite a bit of people. Right. So like I do that. So that when I look at those DMs, I don't feel as bad because like I'm like on the other end I'm in my mind, I kind of balance it out. I'm thinking like, okay, well, like I can't help this person in this specific sob story situation, but like at least I know I'm like surprising people who like aren't begging, who aren't asking, and they're like better off for it. And like I, every time, the reaction is like super positive. Like when I send them the DM that they won, and I give them a TX ID, they're so stoked. They, they they get so uplifted that they won like twenty bucks because that that goes so far in so many places. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you just said that. I actually uh, have tweeted something similar to that. Not exactly that, but it was it was like, you know, uh, all it takes is like one little win, one small little positive thing to happen to you in your life to like get that get that spark and that hope back. You know what I mean? Like that's all it takes. And you being oh, such a generous totally, person, dude, like that right there speaks volumes of like the quality of person you are, my man. I'm I I, I don't know, man. Since you just told me that story, you remind me of me a little bit. And I'm not trying to make take make me into this. I'm just saying, like, I actually made the mistake of like helping, you know, these. So I think scammers come in all shapes and sizes. You know, some oh, will, totally some, of them will, some of them will play you long. Some of them will play you short. You know what I mean? Some will give you a sob story. Some will not. I had um, there was a person I considered a friend in this space. I met like literally over spaces. Like, come on, how good of a friend could they be at first, right? Um, and the dude like was like, didn't have a laptop, you know, couldn't really do the stuff he wanted to do. was really stuck in a really bad spot. So I sent this guy and this is crazy. So don't any, nobody ever do this, by the way. It was a really bad idea on my part. <laughs> sent this guy a brand new laptop. You know, this guy wasn't working for me. He wasn't doing anything. Just felt bad for him. You know, it's not like a brand new laptop was wicked expensive. It was like 600 bucks. And then, uh, you know, right after I did that, he's like asking me to borrow money. And I'm just like, wait a minute. I just sent you like a brand new laptop so you could change your life, like go work on VR stuff. You owe me nothing. You know what I mean? Like that was not meant to hold you, you know, like, oh, you have to work for me now. No, it was, here's a laptop, no strings attached. Go do VR stuff. Go do, you know, things that'll help you in the NFT space and, you know, make possibly life-changing money because you have a new laptop to do it with. And let me tell you, man, it did not, but it did not end well. <laughs> it was like, I was a cash machine, dude. They just kept coming back and I was like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sending you any more money, dude. Like it's not happening. No, dude. And, and this space is the best for like, uh, being able to do that, be able to turn a laptop into a lot of money. Like, like the other co-founder, crypto yeah. Brad, like yeah. one of my best friends. Like I literally watched this guy go from zero to eight figures in 12 months. That's amazing. The laptop that is like, I watched, I watched it step by step. I watched him do it. He went from $0 to eight figures in 12 months with a laptop. Just being, just learning everything you could possibly learn about DeFi and crypto, diving headfirst into it, and uh, and and working, working his ass off, like twelve hours a day, seven days a week, just going in. And I watched his 
his come up, it was like the craziest, fastest come up I've ever seen anybody uh, have. Like he, he got to the point of literally like working with uh, different celebrities and stuff that were catching notice of what he was doing. And he went from literally zero to eight figures in less than 12 months. It was like nine months. It I like think it's so powerful that you, when you, when you hook people up with stuff like that, like instead of like, here, here's the money for something. Here's a laptop, right? No, yeah, it's, it's, it's the teach a fish principle, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah. If you that's give it. somebody something, like, that's yep. the thing. Like, if you just give stuff to some people, um, like, if you give them a tool, it's far better than giving them, like, a finished product or, or money or something, right? Because right. money, I guess, is kind of like, I mean, in some cases, it's like a mean, like, it, I guess it depends. Money's kind of open-ended because money can be, like, used for so many different things. Some people sure. just, like, spend it on, like, a grocery. Some people will use it to get a tool that will help them get more money, right? And some people so, will like, buy drugs, Right. So. Yeah. Some people just buy drugs and like, yeah, there's, yeah, there's that whole spectrum of things too. Like <laughs> yeah. total, totally. Right. Like I, I don't even think about that. Cause I've been, I'm at a point where like, I'm kind of closed off from that. Cause I've been sober for like almost a year. So like, congratulations, think by about, the way, that's a big deal. Thank so, you. Yeah. 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 And, and sober when I, when I say sober, like I've never been into hard drugs ever period. Sure. Like I think, I think I've done like cocaine once in my life when I was like 19 years old. Right. Right. Or, or something like that. Right. Um, but what I mean is it's like no alcohol, um, no cannabis, nothing like that. Um, so, so yeah, um, I, I forget that there's like definitely a whole spectrum of people that have like addictions to like fentanyl and all sorts of different stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, like there's a huge spectrum of people that have that. Especially like, in this, uh, been, especially in this space, like everybody, it seems like everybody except for myself, like smokes weed. Um, I know. And, and now I know you, <laughs> you don't no, do dude, No, it's, and, and there's nothing against it. Like in this <laughs> no, space, honestly, I'm not hating. Like, I'm just saying, I'm like, I felt need... like the only square <laughs> that doesn't do drugs. Like, like some days I'm just like, I, I should at least get back into CBD to like calm my mental nerves sometimes. Cause like some sure. of the situations and circumstances you deal with are like, Holy, how do you get through? Uh, how, like, I've never had to be able to like take pauses and just like do breathing exercises and like meditations, like, 20 times a day just to like cope with certain circumstances and situations you have to get through. Like, and thank God for my wife teaching me like breathing exercises and stuff. Cause like, I don't know how I'd be able to get through this. And by the way, I'm going to get Cyrus up on stage too. This guy's uh, yeah, bring him up. A, a bring him up. Yeah. I wasn't sure who you wanted to bring up. So I just didn't let, you know, I don't let anybody up until I'm, you know, I'm positive. Yeah. Yeah. No, people no, are, I, people I, I, are I, I, trolls. And you know, it is people are trolls inside, inside, in spaces sometimes. Got so. Such good energy. And uh, yeah, I just want to bring him up and have a nice. conversation. What's up Cyrus, man. Good to have you. What's going on, Lucas? What is going on, Bread? Uh, man, Wicked Smart with Raspy. I had to come here and get stimulated. And uh, <laughs> nice. I, was, I was enjoying the conversation. Lucas, you're not the only one out there. So, okay, that's good to know. It's good to know. There's more of you that you know of. <laughs> I'm glad no, to hear that, man. I feel like I, I, anytime I talk in a space, people are like, I'm getting high over here. I'm doing, dr I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm getting wasted. Like, I don't drink. I haven't drank in like months just because I just don't like drinking. People are like, oh, what's wrong? Like, what, what's wrong with you? You have a problem? I'm like, yeah, I just don't like, I just don't like drinking. They're like, oh, so you had a problem? I'm like, no, I just don't want to drink. I know, right? People <laughs> it's always like, assume, what's like, the big deal? If you don't do it, it's because like you had an issue with it. Yeah. Like, you couldn't control yourself, right? But it's just a matter of like, it's not even that. It's just like, when I, when I do drink, um, it's just a matter of like, it detracts from like my ability to focus, Yeah, I guess. And like, and like, you know, you drink once and then it's like, it's kind of like a three-day recovery of getting back to like good eating habits. Cause I know like when I drink, for example, Oh, really start, bad eating habits for me too. I yeah. Agree. Right. I'll just like be like, you know, I'll eat a, I'll eat a cheeseburger at like 11 o'clock. You know what I mean? Or like, you know, like it sounds like, like me. Yo, you sound like me. Wait, yeah, so yeah. if I do that without drinking, am I doing it wrong? <laughs> I'm not sure that's any better, bro. I actually think that's better to do without drinking. Uh, Cause it's probably, it probably tastes a little bit better. 
but yeah, like the yeah, definitely tastes. <laughs> it totally tastes better. Like if you're if you're stoned or if you've been drinking, like that food is like like it got delivered, like with a special courier from heaven. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, um, yeah, I definitely miss that part for sure. Like def- weed makes food taste so good. But uh, but yeah, no. <laughs> So true, dude. Salt, like saltines. Like if you're if you're at a certain like buzz state when you're drinking, like saltines taste good, and we know that's bad. So when saltines start tasting good, you know you're like, oh man. So yeah, there's oh, no yeah, doubt. But, like that kind of stuff definitely makes your bad decisions. Like oh, you know what? I was drinking tonight, or you know, I don't know about drugs, but like I said, I was drinking tonight. So yeah, I deserve a cheeseburger. <laughs> It's like, no, you don't, bro. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like you justify the reward for doing, for poisoning yourself like, yeah. at, the, at the, at the, like, technical level, right? It's, no, it's, it's funny. But yeah, no, I, I just kind of, like, uh, you know, dumped those, those habits, I guess. Um, just because, like, I don't know, I, I knew that I had to really hone in and focus on this because this was going to be, like, the biggest undertaking and project of my life. Um, so, I, so I really kind of just, like, took every step and every precaution I could to, like, make sure, like, at least, my, like, I'm, I'm as optimal as I can be. Um, the majority of the team are, are, are also, I mean, not the majority, everybody on the team is like, uh, like super, super like conscious about like their habits and stuff. Nobody has like a, a problem, sure. uh, which is great. Um, uh, so like, you know, I want to also be, you know, the type of person that's like, Hey, like you're, I'm reliable. You know, I know there's gonna be crunch time hours where I have to get woken up at five in the morning, three in the morning, stay up all night. Um, if I, if I'm like, you know, let's say drinking one night or like, you know, tipsy or like whatever the case may be, or like stoned. I can make a critical mistake, um, especially like, you know, we're, we're talking with, uh, about like, you know, a decentralized kind of ecosystem where there's a lot of money at stake. You know, there's contracts at stake. There's statements that can be made that could be, you know, misconstrued. So you got to be on your A game. You got to be like really thinking about like what can go wrong today from this next step that we take and like what's like a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D if that goes wrong. If you're like in, in any way like – um under the influence, you can make a really, really poor decision. And oh, any, yeah. even if you're sober, oh, you're, yeah. you're, you're going to make mistakes in the space along the way. Even if like everybody in your team is sober, everybody's keen, everybody's got a plan and a structure they stick to, you're still going to make mistakes. But if you can at least mitigate the amount of mistakes you can make by like at least having like a, a conscious, uh, clear mind, uh, a very clear thinking mind, uh, you, you're going to make far less mistakes. You're going to make stuff that you can you know, at least, uh, refute or, or be able to like combat, uh, dynamically as things go wrong. Um, yeah, to piggy to piggyback on that, dude, whoa, it helps you like you're learn. Like, yo, you're wicked loud, bro. Just too loud. Like, yeah, oh, I'm sorry, loud. dude. Turn, my mic might be a little hot. A little bit. Sorry. Coming sorry, in hot, sorry. bro. Coming in hot, Sorry, bro. Sorry, bro. I'll whisper. <laughs> keep going. Yo, I love your PFP, by the way. I think it's so dope. Oh, thank you, dude. Um, yeah. When, you know, when you're not all jacked up on something, you know, and you do make mistakes, it's like, you can actually learn from your mistakes as opposed to just being like, Oh man, fucked up moving on. You know, like you can actually see like how you made the mistake and, and learn from it. It's like, I, I agree a hundred percent. It's super important. But also I just want to make it clear. I don't not, it's not like I don't like people who smoke weed or, or drink. I just don't drink or smoke weed. That's all. Um, uh, yo, honestly, I guess people, I love people who, who smoke weed and, and, and some people who drink are just hilarious. Like the comedian comes out. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think it's, you know, whatever, you know, this, this world is super, super hard ever since like COVID, like the world shifted, oh, yeah. it's gotten like really, really difficult, really, really hard for a lot of people's mental health and everybody copes in different ways, Story. whatever that way is, you know, just make sure you keep it in balance make sure that you're not overdoing it. And everybody knows when that point is, everybody knows when they're overdoing it. Everybody knows 
um, you know, when they've hit their limit. So like stay behind your limits, um, you know, set, set boundaries for yourself, uh, you know, stay safe and that we all cope in different ways. Right. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Everything in moderation, man. I mean, like you can, I mean, it's not healthy if like you're addicted to like Hershey chocolate bars either, you know, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be like booze and drugs and all this stuff that's like labeled inherently as you know, bad news. Like you could be, you know, yeah. Addicted to sweets and sugar and stuff like that. And it's still just as detrimental to what you're doing. It's also applicable to NFTs too, right? Like if you're over leveraging yourself into a position due to FOMO, you're going to be the first one more inclined to paper hand, you know? And that's why I always say, and you guys are talking about habits outside of web web three, but web three related, you know what I'm saying? Like just spend your disposable should you wish to and don't eat into your savings. And therefore you never have to compromise your own position prematurely. Um, and that's a uh, really good advice for everyone in this space. Yeah. To touch on that, what, what Cyrus said, having a risk management plan is super, super important. Like when you have an allocation of funds, treat it the same way as an allocation of funds for uh, if you were to purchase a stock or you were to invest in a currency or you were to invest in gold, um, anything, you know, valuable that, you know, has a, has a, yeah, any kind of intrinsic value. It's good to have, look at the entire pot that you have to invest with as kind of like a total allocation and, and tell yourself, okay, well, I'm only going to invest this percentage uh, in, in, in whatever that item is, like whether it's a stock, whether it's, a, you know, um, you know, a currency, maybe it's a gold, maybe it's silver, maybe it's an NFT, like whatever the case may be, maybe it's a crypto. Have that, have that locked kind of allocation uh, that, that you invest with. So maybe that's, you know, uh, I, I use a one to 3% rule. So like I look at my total uh, funds, I won't, I won't invest more than one to 3% of my allocation on any given trade idea that I have, uh, any given investment idea. Um, you know, some people will have a higher risk tolerance. It, it really depends on like the size you're starting with. It could be 5%, it could be 10%. Most uh, people don't even have the, you know what the problem I've noticed is Rasby is uh, most people don't have an investment strategy, period. They don't know anything. Like they don't know how to take profits or anything. Like I've literally, oh dude, I've spoken with like some of the smartest people, like just in stock investing. And I'm like, the, you know, they, they, inv they were investing in penny stocks and this is going to age me a little bit, but back in the early two thousands, they were like investing in penny stocks and they were like crushing it yet. They were never taking any money off the table. So they were buying it like 35 cents things were running up to like $20. And I'm like, guys, when it hits a certain level, take 20% of your investment out, like cover your costs. You know what I mean? Like when it hit, when it goes up another, you know, 20, 25%, take more money off the table. Keep taking money off the table till you exit your position. This is a penny stock. You're not curing cancer with this penny stock. It's going to go back down eventually. And they did not listen. Hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars of unrealized gains. And I'm like, like, how do you go from 35 cents to $20 and not take anything off the table and go, oh, it's going to 100? And it's like, oh my God, it could. But, you know, it's more likely, statistically speaking, it's going to go down. <laughs> oh, dude, <Yeah>. for sure. <laughs> go ahead. You know, what's crazy is that it doesn't, it didn't, you know, I mean, obviously everybody has their own strategies and their own ways that work for them and whatever their budget and bills and all of that stuff. But like, straight up, dude, like the uh, about six months maybe ago, I started following the 50 30 20 rule and it has just been like game changing for me as far as you know being able to realistically look at what i'm spending in nfts and web3 and this stuff and still you know making making sure through essentially numbers that i'm not going to overspend and i'm not going to like regardless of how bad like uh, i might be in a fomo mood some night you know and really want to get into a project and it's like well 
no, nah, dude, I've already, I've already spent my 20 um, or my 30, like I'm, I'm out. I'm not going to, I'm not going to play. Yeah. So I think it's you gotta important. do that. You gotta yeah. do that, man. I can tell you like even playing, um, I took a class, it's going to sound wicked lame, but <laughs> in college I took some stupid class. This girl convinced me to take, but it was craps. <laughs> and this guy like taught you how to play the odds, craps, like the pass line, stuff like that. And his first rule was, you know, take your first bet, put it on the pass line. You win, put your money back in your pocket that you started with. And now you're playing with the house's money, period. And that stuck with me forever. Like I've never not covered my expenses and then, you know, used the house's money on NFTs, you know, like I've never gone underwater. Don't get me wrong. I've invested in things. I felt uncomfortable because it was expensive because I was like, oh man, all that work for this really big bet. And it was like a mutant ape at like four ETH. And I was like, Oh man, it's going to, that's crushing me inside. And it didn't crush me obviously, but I got, it's just luck dude that I went up. So yeah, man, all this stuff is uh, you got to have an investment strategy. You have to know what you're doing. Like you can't just like play it by ear. You can't just degen into everything. Cause if you do, you'll end up losing. If you don't have an Excel spreadsheet tracking your shit too, like I highly recommend a Google sheet or an Excel spreadsheet to like track what you're doing. Like, there's just no reason why you shouldn't like bought at this price, sold at this price. Here's my ROI. And you know, Oh dude, it's, like it's so critical to have a, what's that's called a trading journal yeah. uh, mm-hmm. by like, by a technical standpoint. So like, so like with foreign exchange, I'll give a little bit of alpha on this. Sure. Cause I, I did this uh, for five years. I literally flipped 10 K into like $2.6 million in 12 months. Damn. Uh, yeah. So, so basically like my, my trading strategy with this was, was, was quite simple. And this can be applied to any asset class. So I started with $10,000, right? This is what I was uh, willing to, uh, you know, lose worst case scenario, right? Uh, I would trade between one to 3% of my, of my account balance per trade. So a hundred dollars to $300 per trade on a 10 K account, right? Small bets. I risked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you have leverage there, right? Uh, as well too. Uh, you obviously have what's called a stop loss to prevent yourself going, uh, beyond your leverage or your risk, uh, percentage that you that you choose to uh you know risk in that situation so my my strategy was that i would ensure that i uh, have a minimum risk to reward of three to one so whatever i risk if i risk a hundred dollars i'm expecting to make uh three hundred dollars on that trade if i win in the best case scenario right right what that allows me to do if i have a three to one risk to reward ratio i only need to win 50 percent of my trades to be profitable yeah right? that makes sense i mean matt the math so, checks out so yeah, so so I basically would just stick to this, uh, and sometimes the risk to reward will be you know five to one, four to one, six to one. Like obviously, the better uh, it is uh, for the setup, uh, you know, looking at the different types of analysis and like different liquidity points. There's a whole other science to that part, but I would just basically trade. And part of trading is you will lose; you won't be right uh, a lot of the time. But if you're batting even at seventy percent, sixty percent, you're profitable. So I did this. Uh, I took you know three to five trades every day. Um, you know, reading news uh, for different countries around the world, um, you know, um, anytime there's like a, a crisis or any kind of, uh, you know, situation um, that would always make the market uh, bounce and be very volatile because the market really responds to fear far greater than it responds to positivity. That's every market. Um, and yeah, I basically just, uh, you know, took trades from 10K going 1%, uh, you know, risk, uh, 1% to 3% risk, depending on the situation to gain, you know, minimum three to one. Uh, on each of those trades. So you'll be surprised how fast an account, account compounds uh, doing that. And not to mention, you know, if you're only risking one to 3% per trade, you would have to lose um, more than a hundred times in a row to liquidate your account, right? 
So like, cause like, cause you're risking one, 1%. And even as your account shrinks, it's 1% of the shrunk version. So you will always still have liquidity to play with and continue trying to grow with until you perfect your system where you are winning greater than 50%. Therefore you become profitable. And as long as you just stick to that, that system. And I mean, you can obviously modify this and, and create something on a spreadsheet. Like, I mean, you, you could pretty much set up a spreadsheet that could simulate your trading experience. And, and get to this exact same solution with NFTs, with, with, with crypto, with stocks, with whatever you want. Um, but yeah, as long as you have a system, you always consistently stick to your system like a robot. And you use like, you know, your research and human intuition uh, as well to like, you know, figure out if something is actually a good investment fundamentally. You will be profitable. You'll be very profitable in this space. Yeah, I don't disagree. I, actually, I just think there's so little people taking it that seriously. Like, I think maybe... You know, I have an, I have a spreadsheet that I do that stuff on and, you know, just because I love Excel, I hate, I hate the idea of saying that, but I, I just love doing spreadsheet stuff and writing up formulas and making it automated. Just like you said, I definitely agree with you. You can definitely literally simulate anything in an Excel spreadsheet with the right formulaic stuff set up and using pivot tables and stuff also like super powerful stuff. Um, I just don't think a lot of people do that. I think people just FOMO in because their friends did, or they saw somebody else, with it on their timeline and they're like, Oh, look at that. And look, it's trending on OpenSea," and they just go and buy it. They don't really, they don't really do any research on it. And then they're, you know, when something goes down, they're just like, yeah, it just, uh, it didn't, just didn't work out. And I, I've heard a lot of those stories in this space where people are like, I've done nothing good in the NFT space. I lost all, basically all of my investments have like gone South. I made money here, lost money, nine other places, but here, so here doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, man, I, I think it's interesting. Like I said, if you just have an investment, a simple investment strategy of if this thing goes up by 30% or 50%, like people aren't happy enough with like 30 to 50% trades. Like it's crazy. Like anywhere in the stock world, if you're in the stock trading world, if you get a 30% win, that's like people are going out to the clubs at 30%. Like people are like, you, you know, like. Oh yeah, dude. People are going nuts. And like here it's like, if it's not a 3X, 300%, like mark up and win like people are like uh and even at 300x or 300 percent increase people are still like eh, i did okay like a thousand people want it doubled people want double everything whenever you buy into anything you're like well i'm not i'm gonna hold it until double it is double. nothing dude that's 200 percent. i'm talking like, like even 300 percent yeah. isn't enough and i've seen people not celebrate at a thousand x they're like yeah it's only in only Bro, 10 times itself it's like i, I, I was guy, expecting two a- it's like what I had a guy I went to high school with. Yeah. Um, like I, cause I, I like, uh, I posted up like when we were doing like a whitelist early on for our project, uh, like a, a bit of Facebook post, like my IRL friends that I like went to high school and stuff with, uh, who didn't know about NFTs who wanted to get into NFTs. Yeah. And, uh, literally they got into the project for like 0.0777 ETH, like the equivalent of a hundred bucks. Um, you know, a bunch of them ended up like selling, uh, at like two ETH. Uh, to That's to like amazing. you know cover bills and expenses yeah. and stuff so like ch- life changing money for them yeah, uh, yeah sure sure like a lot of them like are working like you know like those day to day like uh, jobs that they don't want to be at and uh, you know they'd still have the nerve to me to, to message me and ask me if they can have another one uh, after like you know just getting free money basically that they didn't have before and like it, it's just so wild to me that people just like I don't know either a they don't realize profits uh, when there is like an opportunity to to get life changing money but then the greed. To, to try to like acquire more of something they didn't have. It's just so wild to me. Um, uh, man, this, I don't know this. That's the one thing I don't like about this space is the level of greed uh, when it comes to like, you know, the money component involved. Cause like, here's the thing that's unique about NFTs that no other asset class has uh, in my opinion. Right. 
like gold, you, let's say you invest in gold. I mean, outside of like the value increasing, unless you're like wearing the gold chain, you're not really going to enjoy that gold. If you have a Tesla stock, you're not really enjoying like the stock. It's not really doing anything for you. Right. Uh, I guess, it, you know, like some stocks have like little dividends and stuff that give you like a minor, minor benefit. Um, you know, crypto too, like some cryptos will give you like a holder's benefit, but like, it's usually like nothing. It's like a reward. Uh-oh, Rasby, I think you got, I think you got rugged. Sell it. There you are. Oh. You're back. You're back. You're back. Can you yeah. hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Sorry. Yeah. Somebody just tried calling me on the other line. Um, so, so with NFTs, even if you have, uh, you know, if you have a good NFT, something that, uh, you know, is, is actually building real utility and, and has like a, a good foundation uh, and, a, and a good plan, even if you don't sell it, you are seeing passive benefit from holding it. That's very, very unique for any kind of like, you know, collectible, like where you actually, uh, just by holding it, you're gaining, whether it's through network effect, uh, whether it's through some kind of passive benefit, whether it's through uh, opportunities uh, that are granted and or earned. Um, like there, there's there's a ton of different benefits to having an NFT that's never been uh, seen before in any kind of, uh, you know, tradable asset class. So like, for me, I think that's a good enough reason to just like, hold on to stuff. Because like, the people you'll meet and the opportunities you'll gain, perhaps job opportunities, perhaps like, connections perhaps like you know i have a ton of connections just from having this nft now um that like in a lot of different nft projects that like i didn't have before like, i have connections in tokyo i have connections in like beijing and shanghai i have connections in, like miami la that i never had before people that were just like you know if i need if i need like a like a car or i need like i mean anything really like re recommendations for stuff or if i need a contact for like i don't know whatever jewelry like whatever the case may be anything there's somebody now that will be able to like hook me up Otherwise, I'd be like on that Google game, wasting time doing research and doing all that kind of stuff, trying to find out like what the locals know. And I'll never find that Googling. Um, so so like the network effect and the power of NFTs is just like a networking tool is so tremendous compared to like anything else. Like if you bought like a shit coin, like a Shiba, whatever. No, there's Inu, nothing there, Inu, dude. Fuck, fuck. Like, yeah, no one cares. There. There's no nothing cares. there. It's just literally like you're just kind of hoping that everybody doesn't exit at the same time you plan X. And that's like ridiculous, right? And so, like, what's nice about NFTs is, like, you can trade them. You can also just hold them and, like, become, like, a thought leader or an influencer in that community um, where you can, like, you build your own movement, build your own foundation, build your own business, find people that are like-minded with you and build something because they're already, like, active uh, in the sense of, like, they want to be there for the same reason you do. They want to create something. They want to create a new movement. They want to build uh, a foundation, whether it's, like, a thought foundation, whether it's a business foundation, whether it's... Uh, uh, any kind of like networking foundation, uh, alpha, like there's so there's so many different ways to utilize an NFT uh, and and be part of an NFT community uh, for benefit without having to even exit, right? Um, yeah, I like, think I think have, access, I, I think access and community. Right? Yeah, access and community, dude, is like everything. I mean, that's what it is. Like you get access to people in that community. You get access to things like events and all sorts of stuff. But the community, I think, and like I said, the art when you can tie yourself to an art piece that you created, like, uh, you know, these, the, your project, boy, uh, you know, a uh, kid called beast is so amazing that you could put it on. It's like a sports Jersey going to like a football game. If you put on the right Jersey, you walk into the right section of the stadium, you're going to have like best friends instantly. Everybody's going to be like your buddy, you know, giving you high fives and stuff. You walk into the wrong audience and they're like, Oh yeah, just some person that's, you know, rooting for the other team. They don't really care as much. But when you're surrounded by the good people, like the people that are 
still, you know, rooting for your team. And we all are rooting for a kid called beast when you're wearing that piece on as your PFP, it's unbelievably amazing networking, uh, networking effect. And it's also an amazing, like I belong and I see you in the audience with the same art. So I belong to your squad. Basically. I think that's super powerful. Go ahead, Cyrus. You got, you got something. Yeah. I want to touch on two points. The first point was, uh, the greed factor in web three. Um, one of the things that, that I love about our, our community is that from the jump, you know, top down leadership, but also bottom up is we really preach about being selfless, staying humble, uh, reminding ourselves of, of our why every morning, manifesting each other before ourselves and putting the collective definitely before any one individual. And honestly, that's kept us grounded uh, no matter how fast or how high that we go. Um, and, and that's kept people for the most part from having greed and having the financial aspect leak in and distract anyone in the community as white noise. So I just want to say that in my opinion, I call that uh, breaking through the matrix and it all starts with, you know, culture at the community level and, you know, Raspian, of course, all the leaders, all, all, all the people in the community down there, I see you, you know who you are, who are driving that forward. On, on the second point I was going to drive home is on the network effect. You know, my first week uh, being in Beasthood, um, you know, I'm founder of my own project as well, but a, a kid with an ax is another community holder and he knew that I was having my IRL in Tulum with, with my community in Mexico. And he said, hey, listen, you're a beast. I'm a beast. I know this uh, owner of this restaurant. It's a really amazing place. You wouldn't know about it. It's not like a tourist spot. Um, and he really hooked it up. And I took you know a lot of people to this place. And we had an unforgettable experience. We've raved about it to hundreds of people. Memories, photos. You know, We're never going to forget that because uh, an experience and memory goes for a lifetime. And again, if I was never a beast, None of us would have ever experienced that. And, and that's not like a utility given by the team. That's the people driving value to each other. Um, I really wanted to share that story. That's a, that is a great story right there. That, that connection. I mean, Raspi, you were basically saying that too. You have all these connections because of this. So I think it's... Yeah, no, people just... Beasts want to help other beasts. And like, even like, uh, you know, even if you're not a beast, even if you're just like, uh, you know, part of an NFT project that just like is friendly as well to other projects like that's also amazing too it's like the, the space isn't big enough to have like rivals and competitions and stuff like there there's definitely like way more power in like working with uh with, with uh, other projects like we're friends with so many board apes we're friends with so many uh like alien friends uh cool cats doodles um like there is literally like i'm not going to start listing off like 100 different nft projects so definitely excuse uh you know, me <laughs> continuing listing them off You're but good. like yeah, there's there's so many like uh, projects that that understand this concept that it doesn't need to be like this whole like gatekeeping kind of like you know situation where people just uh, you know they're too they're too kind of secular, I guess. Like they they want to just like uh, you know have their own thing and not really support anybody else. Like I think if we all work together, not only does it create a better foundation, uh, you know, for new people looking at the space and trying to kind of get in. Uh, but like the network effect of like what we all share, uh, socially is, is just, is just a lot better. Yeah. Lucas, you and I were talking about that yesterday, the day before about like how most people don't realize how small the space really is and how much overlap there is between these projects and founders and marketers and social media managers and all of these things. And it's like, the longer you spend in, in this space, you realize like, you're just talking with somebody that you met and you're like, Oh, wait a minute. You know, you know, so-and-so. Oh yeah, me too. Uh, and then this person you're like, Oh no shit. How about that? You know, it, it's, 
it's really amazing. And it's something that people are, I see aren't really, it's one of the biggest advantages to web three that people I think are overlooking. I think it's an advantage and it's a disadvantage too, because it could literally be one person that doesn't like you just for no reason. And then that person that's sitting at the cool kids table at the, you know, in the high school lunchroom is like, yeah, you can't sit with us because I don't like them because of this. And then everybody else like piles on to that 15, 20 people that are friends with that person going, never mind, he's out. I agree. And I've seen people ostracized out of the space because of it. And it's not, I'm not a big oh, fan of that. Man. I'm not a big Especially fan. Especially if you're new. If you're new, yeah, like, man. Like, a, like I'm experiencing this like right now. Like I have people constantly like I've never met that don't never spoken with me, never heard me speak. They're just like raps me as a grifter. Like what did I what did I do to you, man? Yeah, like, dude, trust me, I know, man. Like I can, I came into the space back in 2021, early 2021, mid, mid early. They gave me so much shit because I was wearing my face as a PFP. They're like, you're a Web two person trying to, you know steal liquidity out of the space and i'm like what <laughs> because i have a because i have a profile picture that's my face <laughs> like that I doesn't mean, make it, any sense i i kind of like look at that as like if you're new to the space and you haven't committed to like a specific community i mean showing your face is probably a kind of a good idea to like demonstrate a level of trust at least uh to people like on the outside looking in i think i, mean, I thought that's so how too. i would perceive it right yeah but we're you're also like a little bit more professional than a lot of these i'm not saying like people aren't professional but they just don't understand like how business works in a lot of cases and uh when you when you're up at a certain level you know that you know hey man it's just because i have a profile picture that's not an nft does not make me a bad person there's lots of people now that have pfps that are not nfts and they're still pretty heavy in the nft space so it's like it's definitely fascinating how like the cultural i don't know why we call it culture just the mob mentality changes because people decide it changes you know like certain 15 20 people like i said in the space could literally sick a mob on you and then also make a mob go away or make you the most celebrated person in the space right you could literally if the right people say so you are blessed. You know what I mean? Like you could do no wrong. And if the wrong, and if the same people say negative, you will be uh, the villain in the story. You know what I mean? Oh, so. dude. Every other week for me, the the last like five, six weeks, like some days I'm like, you know, I feel like really happy because people are like messaging me stuff like, you changed my life, blah, blah, blah. Like, or like my family was able to escape, you know, war torn Ukraine and, and like start a new life. And like, that's amazing. amazing. Yeah. Like when I hear that, I'm like, holy fuck. This is so sick. And then, um, you know, in the other days is like, you know, you're a grifter. You're a scam artist. You're going to rug. I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, it's so, it's so weird to say. I looked up, I looked up what grifter meant. And I was like, (laughs) I I just actually recently looked it up. And I was like, a person who operates a sideshow at a circus or a fair, especially a gambling attraction or a swindler and dishonest gambler. So I'm like, fuck. I mean, if I want to, I mean, when I think about a circus, a circus gets set up in like a weekend, they put up a tent and then they start selling you know, people on games that they can't win. Um, so I'm like, fuck, that's kind of insulting. Um, Cause I've been working on this for like 15 months, seven days a week, 12 hours a day, setting up this circus, missing birthdays, missing holidays. Yeah. Um, like not giving my wife attention, not giving my, my family attention um, to build this thing. Cause I'm like, this is like, if I don't do this now, I'll never do this. I'll never have another opportunity again to build a project that is like my dream project. And so like being called a rugger or a grifter, like, come on, man. Like I'm already figures. You think I'm going to fucking like rug a project for like what a hundred grand, 200 grand. I still have a team of like 40 people. 
that have that, that are getting paid and like surviving off of this. The fastest so, like, way though, Raspy, what I've noticed is the fastest way for people to like try to like label you is they instantly go to rugger scammer or grifter now and the grifter is like the new word like that's the new hotness oh, of the last like three weeks yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah, no, it's if someone not. doesn't like you they will slander the timeline with your name and say grifter or well that's scammer. how you're doing it right you know lucas <laughs> like the the more fud i mean I, i've been called that many times too like the more success that you get the more that you grow like you're gonna have fud so now currently the way i look at it is if i don't wake up to fud i'm not grinding hard enough you know what I'm saying? And, and that's personally, I don't know if you guys share that opinion, but FUD fuels me and validates everything that's going on that we work for. So uh, I personally love it, you know? No, I, I mean, I agree with you. Like I, from the sense of like when I prove people wrong, like when people like, cause there was people early on that were like doubting us and like, oh yeah, cool. What's your idea? I shared the idea and they're like, oh yeah, cool. Nice rug plan. I'm like, thanks. Those same people are hitting me up from like an alt account on a different social media thinking I forgot what they were saying before publicly. And they're like, yo, can I get you on an interview space now? Can I like talk to you about your project? I love what you're doing. You guys are killing it now. It's like, I have screenshots of you literally like like team members sending me screenshots of you saying this project is going to zero. It's a rug. Raspy's a scam artist, this and that. And I'm like, you know, that's amazing. Uh, you know, having that situation is, is just uh, absolutely fantastic and amazing. Yeah, I'm not sure. I wouldn't take it as a positive one just because I'm not really, I don't know, man. I, I think people that, that label you stuff like that and have uh, just decide to go to like zero to like crazy and say, oh, scam, oh, bro. It's like, wait, what? That's not a scam, dude. You just invested in the wrong thing. Like, do you, <laughs> the whole market is down by 95% and because the floor went down on a project you thought was awesome. And now it's like gone. It's like low. That doesn't mean the project's a scam. It just means, you know, it's just not your, it wasn't your time to, to win that case. Like, yeah, it's just a failed startup. I right. mean, that happens all the time out here. People forget you're to not, realize. But the like, thing is you're not you know, investing in startups, bro. This is not, this, you're, you don't own part of this company. That's not how this works. Like it's a, it's a crowdfunding tool. Like NFTs are to help crowdfund a community and a, and a built to build products and, you know, give access to things. And that's, that's, I mean, that's how I see it at least. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's smart. So you don't own a piece of the like company. Yes. But yeah. Uh, from a different lens, you own a piece of his future. Correct. Um, in yep. the sense of like, you're a patron of him. having a part. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. Beethoven could never have done the things he did in his life. And I'm not comparing anybody to Beethoven. I'm just saying without rich benefactors, he would have never, never been able to create uh the amazing symphonies that he had you know what i mean like there's so many people throughout history um leonardo da vinci another one like without rich benefactors paying him to do his art and his work and you know like allowed him the freedom to do so he would have done none of these things we wouldn't have a da vinci right now we wouldn't have like probably 90 to 95 percent of the composers the artists you know what i mean the poets all those people like wouldn't exist if it wasn't for that so yeah um, and also the, the unique part of this is like you're investing in a community that you believe in also. So now it's like buying a, a football jersey. Um, it, you know, how much does, how much of, a, of an ROI does a football jersey have? Zero. <laughs> you pay for a hundred dollars for a football jersey and that shit just gets older and older and older and it has some sentimental feelings, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really have an ROI. Kind of like uh, when you buy that hat that you're going to have to replace in like a year or two years when it wears out, you know, like it's all 
dirigible stuff. In this case, you're, you're betting on a community and then accessing that community. And if there's anything we know now, people need more community than ever right now because of the pandemic, because of isolation, because people are working from home rather than in the office. Go ahead, Raspy. Sorry about that, man. My yeah, monologue no, no. is over. <laughs> I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, and like, I mean, here's kind of the thing that I kind of found that was super, super intriguing to me about like the Web3 uh, kind of setup. So like, let's go back to Web2 for a second. So Web2, let's say you have an idea or a concept uh, that you want to uh, you know, tell people about or get people involved in. Um, you know, typically it's a kind of that one-way megaphone uh, strategy of like, here's our concept. You either agree with it and you, you decide with, with your buying power or you don't. Uh, once you do, there is no feedback loop after that Correct. in most cases yep uh you, you're just a consumer you buy it uh you support it through just a purchase and that's it there's no incentivized benefit for you uh in, in helping grow that brand or that that uh that company or that product whatever the case may be it, it kind of ends there right that's sure. where the, the story the story ends in web3 there's an incentivized community where as a project grows as a project is able to deliver uh more especially if you offer uh you know those, those participants uh ip utility they can extend and branch off the arms of that uh, brand or product as they see fit as entrepreneurs, as creators, um, you know, as more eyes are on the project, as the demand outpaces the supply, you know, that the value of the person who's involved in that project uh, increases so that when, if they do decide to exit at any point, you know, they're able to uh, take a profit and see a benefit from efforts uh, that are, you know, communal. I think that's super, super powerful because now there's a reason for people to spread the word about, you know, something that they're involved in or something they're working on or something that they're uh, participating in creating with. Uh, that was never before possible, like in a, in a traditional sense in like a Web2 uh, brand. Just, I mean, just from simple legal reasons, like having, imagine having like, you know, 4,000 people on, on a board seat in a, in a company making decisions. Like, A, nothing would ever get done. Uh, B, like the complicated nature of, of making sure everybody gets their re reward would be super difficult because people would enter and exit at different rates. With NFTs, I mean, that's kind of possible, right? People enter and exit for different reasons. Um, you know, you'll have people that have, you know, a ton of money that want to build something amazing with an IP. You have people that are just like startup creators. They're artists or, or they're, you know, they own like a small print shop and they're able to, you know, earn an additional income. You know, we've had 3D printers, for example, people that have 3D print and, and do sculptures. Um, making like full-time income, building kid call beast models for people. Um, just like, out of the blue that was just like a new income opportunity that came out of nowhere people wanted 3d models printed of their beasts and and there's like a bunch of community members now that are full-time making beasts for people um so i think that's like super cool like it just created a, a new uh a new job opening for for people right yeah i love it um and like you know where i was going with this is like you know there's an incentivized benefit now like you're, you're a participant in something that you know the more people look at uh the more its value grows uh you know you obviously uh you know your, your input uh, can, can lead to, you know, uh, an output uh, as a participant. Uh, so it is, you know, everybody's benefit to participate as much as they can in the project. They want it to, um, you know, increase in value, uh, you know, for speculative value at least. And I think it's also, you know, an approach for the people who are holders. Uh, they're curators of that, this brand as well. They, they're the decision makers. So like any anything they want done, they can vote to make happen. They can create initiatives they have a community treasury there to activate uh, these initiatives as well. You know, if a bunch of community members decide they want to get a mural painted in, in, in a city, they have the ability to do that. Um, if they want to, you know, get a, a really powerful startup funded, they have the ability to do that. Like we set up the, the project in a way where uh, there's a, a very large now community treasury 
and people can mobilize and they can get initiatives set up where uh, those initiatives will get funded through the treasury. And so now, you know, new branches and new beneficial things for the community can open up. Like we, we have obviously a starting foundation of things we want to do that we've wanted to do in our roadmap, but there's going to be, and there already are new initiatives that are being formed by the community, things that we never even thought of doing that are great ideas that can now get funded and can mobile, you know, can be brought to life and allow the project to expand even further. So I think like that's a really, really cool thing about, you know, web three companies versus, uh, you know, the standard web two company. I think it's, it's a, such a new way of thinking and allowing everybody who's a participant to uh, benefit from that growth in some way. Yeah. I think it's interesting that we even say web two versus web three, it's just the internet and we are using the blockchain layer, but I guess it is totally, a good way totally. for most people to, yeah, exactly. So most yeah, people are probably it's just, it's just kind of like a means of yeah, compartmentalizing. Exactly. Uh, like the, so the people know, process, right? Yeah. So people know what we're talking about, like web three versus web two, which is basically just blockchain and NFTs and all that stuff. So yeah. So I've been in the tech space for like 20, just over 20 years. So it's like, for me, it's like, come on guys, it's just the internet. Like we're just adding a blockchain layer and now we're, calling it web three. We never called web two, web two when web two was around. Like we were just like, Oh, web two, this web two, that dude. I think I heard it said twice in my entire life, web two. And it was just like, okay, let's move on. We did. It didn't really catch on because, uh, in terms of like web three, it's just helpful for people. Cause there's so many retail investors here rather than in the regular, uh, tech space. This tech space is allowing retail investors to enter it. Right? So, most of the time, back in the day, at least before blockchain, it didn't allow people to retail investors to actually in basically enter the the webs like the tech space. You had to have a you know a graduate degree or or an undergrad degree in computer science. You had to work your way up inside of a dot com or a startup somewhere, and like literally grind your ass off in order to get into a position where you're in the tech space. And I did, so that's why people are like, "Hey, what are you doing in Web 3 I'm like, "Uh." been here for like 20 years, yo. So that's, it's like, it's, what are you doing in the tech space? I should be asking, go ahead, Raspberry. What's up, man? Oh yeah. So yeah. You're, so you're totally probably like around my age group. It's, it's exactly what you're saying. Like there was such like a, a high level of like gatekeeping uh, for, for entering like, you know, tech space earlier. And now it's just like, it's so accessible. It's so open source. Like there, there are like, I know of like 12, 12 year old kids who are like trading and building NFTs oh, and building like algorithms and softwares and Heck like yeah. killing it in the space at that age. Like, That's what's cool about PFPs too, dude. The PFPs remove age and discrimination and bias totally. and all that stuff. Like I don't talk, I never talk politics, religion, you know, anything, age, nothing in this space. Like if you're cool, you're cool. I don't care. Unless you're like 13 years old and trying to talk in an audio space and that's kind of against COPA compliance and stuff like that, laws and stuff. But you know what I mean? Like I'll talk to everybody else though. So that's what's up. Um, that's what I love about NFTs. I want to say hi real quick to Fidia who's up on stage. I uh, can't, he can't be ignored. What's up, Fiddy? What's going on, man? What's up? What's up guys? How are you? How are you doing, Rusty? Congrats on all the success, man. I'm really impressed um, how the project has uh, withstand every little hiccup you had and you still made it uh, run pretty smoothly and awesome. Uh, much, much love and respect for all the success. Fiddy's in the bathroom, by the way. I can just tell. I am not, <laughs> bro. With, with the hot sauce. Come on, bro. Don't go in not the bathroom, bathroom. Bro. I'm in my office. I just did got some new equipment in here, so <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't sound like an office to me, dude. <laughs> I'm not in the bathroom, but I should be. <laughs> no, the echo. The, the echo is not quite like a, a stall type echo. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I no, don't no, no. I just literally, I just got this new microphone, so if it sounds oh, nice. weird. 
What'd you yeah, get? So what'd I want to know, what, know what Brett's setup is like because his setup is clean. His microphone's like nice, clean. clean oh, are clean, you trying loud. to say that mine's not nice and clean? Tell me. You it's, know what? It's good. But you're no, no. I want to know what room, the room reverb. Oh, oh yeah. You know what? I have to admit, my room, the room I'm talking in is like vaulted ceilings and shit. Like I can't. Um, I'm trying to like figure out how to make this Oralex. Got to yeah. get yourself some Oralex, bro. Hang that. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. It's just it's just hard in a, a big vaulted. You know what I mean? Like the big ceiling stuff. Like it's hard. I might have just move this space into like a, a smaller, smaller room, and then just cover it in like sound dampeners. You know what I mean? So. But yep. good, good, valid point, Rasby. Thanks. I keep asking people like, hey, how's my audio? And they're like, it's great. I'm like, dude, just tell the truth. Like if it's echoing. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> o- it's overall really good. It's really clear, but there is a little bit of that. Like, it sounds like totally. you have like probably like 12 foot ceilings, if not higher. Yeah, it's definitely, I can't even, I'm six foot five and I, I can't even come close to touching the ceiling, dude. So yeah, it's, it's tall. So. I'm, I'm a big audiophile, by the way. Like me I, too. I, I, I absolutely <laughs> love music. I like I I produce a ton of music. Most of the tracks that you hear in the Kid Called Beast uh, videos, I actually produce myself. No way, dude! Holy cow. yeah, 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 yeah. So like that's Respect. like one of the reasons I got into this is just, like making music and like uh, you know I love art. Uh, I love man. I just like I said, this is a dream project. It basically combines everything that everybody on the team loves and enjoys, and uh, we put it all together and like made this amazing, fun thing. Like that's. That was the number one thing we wanted to create here is like something that was based on like uh, entertainment, I guess, as a, as a primary utility, uh, first and foremost. Like we wanted people to have fun and like remember like what it was like to get into like NFTs uh, in the sense of like, you know, like look at what Doodles and like uh, Board Ape Yacht Club and like those, those kind of like first gen big generative collections kind of created. It was very fun. Like it was so much fun and excitement and creativity behind it. Uh, and then like somewhere along the way when the bar- bear market kind of hit, People get got super super involved in the financial aspect of it, and less so about the entertainment, and the fun, and the collectible and community aspect of it. And we wanted to kind of like really push the effort towards getting back to the foundations and fundamentals of what made these cool in the first place. Because like you do cool shit and you have fun, the money will come automatically. Like that's the reality of of like anything that you do that's like really creative and, and cool. If you execute, you do cool stuff. Communities having fun, communities enjoying themselves the financial component of it will always work out itself automatically. You think about every big musician, every artist uh, that's out there. You think they focus on money first and foremost? No, they focus on like making the best music. They focus on making the coolest art that people enjoy. And then they get celebrated for it after the the money comes automatically. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you brought that up. Um, I was going to ask you first off was what was the non-traditional things you've done in this project to make, to make it successful that other projects didn't do. But first, I just want to make a point of what you just said. Musicians, the Beatles are a great example of this. And I'm not a, I'm not like a Beatles fan. I'm not like out there, you know, listening to their music going, wow, it's amazing. But they do have good music. The thing is, they practice together at this local place back in England for like seven or eight years. And they were there every single night playing together to the point where they knew what each other were going to do at any phase of their music. Like they didn't just click right away. It took years to get to like the level of being like, then when they were discovered, they just knew how to play so well that it looked easy when you make it look easy. Like that's when you know that they're really, really good at their jobs and they, they were obviously good. So yeah. Well, so that's like, it's like the saying that, you know, like anytime you see a, a quote unquote overnight success, know that it took 10 years to get there. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't agree more. I've had, I have so many stories about that one, but what did you, what do you think you did Rasby like, uh, differently that traditional, like the traditional, um, projects did not do. Do you think, is it, 
was there like a certain focus or something that stands out to you? Um, let me answer on a second. Basil's had his hand up and I, I wanted to, cause he's had his hand up. For I haven't I seen to, Basil in forever, by the way, Basil. Yeah, good I think to he see wants him, to touch man. on this. So, uh, so I just wanted him to pop in and uh, say something. Cause I think he has something to say with this topic for sure. Yeah. What's up, man. What's up, Basil. Hey man, long time no see. Yeah, actually, I've been like you know uh, roaming on some few spaces in the uh, in the few past uh, months. Um, I don't know. Um, I think you've been hosting spaces, but it's weird. I haven't been seeing them. Like this is the first time I've seen your space, and I jumped in, and Ralph was uh, also on the space too, which is a nice coincidence. Hey, everyone here, also speakers and all the listeners. So I see a lot of friends. Um, first of all, I had a question for for, for about the project, like. Uh, uh, like uh, I still own my beast. Uh, I remember when there was this uh, little problem that happened at the beginning, then the team contacted us and we filled out the form. I just wanted to confirm, we got an email based on that form. Yes. Is this email legit? Yes. So this is, the email should be support at a kid called beast.com. If you receive that email, so you, um, we're basically going through them all one by one. Support team is going through uh, every instance of the, the hack that occurred. And the people that were confirmed, uh, you know, uh, part of that hack, uh, people who basically got wallet drained from the link that got posted to our, our Twitter account, uh, they are getting uh, a beast as compensation. So, so just uh, just to make sure that that is clear, because uh, I've had a bunch of questions about it. I mean, it, it obviously takes time to validate, uh, you know, who actually was drained in that situation, uh, because there are people, you know, who who see that and and want to take advantage of that situation. Um, and there have been a ton of people that have, you know, just like answered a random DM or, or something that's even like not even related to a kid called beast they got their wallet drained and they contacted us trying to get a free beast out of the situation that's definitely not how that works uh blockchain you know has all the information it's all you know very easy to 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 determine you know what was authentic what wasn't because we know uh and we have references for you know which uh wallets and which uh functions uh the hackers were using during that attack so so yeah if you if you clicked on that link uh, that got posted when our when our Twitter got compromised. The, the same is literally the same hacking group that it got Azuki, that got uh, Gabriel, that got uh, Mutant Hounds. Uh, if if that was you know authenticated and verified, you will be getting a a beast as compensation. Even the in even at the current value, it doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't change the circumstances. You're still going to be getting one in, as compensation uh, if that was uh, you know a confirmed incident. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, thanks, man. And also, I just want to add, like before, I I prefer to say say it after the question, not before, man. Like also an answer for Lucas, he was asking you, uh, Ravzi, what you did differently than other projects. And I would like to participate in that answer because I've seen that every time I, I'm on Twitter, I've seen Ravzi on spaces, man, every hour. It doesn't matter more. Like, is it in the morning? Is it in the night? It's persistence uh, and it, it's being there and it's being, you know, uh, always providing something. And you, when you go on the website, you know what I'm talking about? There are still a lot of things that are like are not active yet. They're saying soon, and the execution so far has been, you know, like uh, beyond the, the the problem at the beginning has been without any complication. Uh, there's commitment from the team, from from the project founder himself. He's like, I'm I'm gonna sit almost twenty four seven on the spaces to answer every question, stay in contact with the with the community out there, and also he's supporting new uh, how do you call it initiatives from the community so i think this is also something different being available the whole time there and i've seen an example for it for example with frank and d gods and being there and being existent is is one of the biggest uh, you know indicators of a project performing well so far i've seen on the project here on twitter 
All right. Well, there you have it. Um, that's, that's good. That's good to hear. I absolutely agree. Being present on here is amazing. And Basil like, we miss your piano, bro. We miss uh, you playing the piano on spaces. That was good times. You're a very talented <laughs> individual, bro. Sure, man. Sure, man. Uh, yeah, uh, we'll we'll be hosting music uh, concerts soon, of course. <laughs> uh, whenever you guys want to hear piano, just let me know. I'm always available. Love it, R- Rasby. You don't have to raise your hand, my man. You can just talk. <laughs> oh yeah, no. I just it's like kind of like the polite cue, I guess, in spaces. Yeah. yeah um, but yeah, no. Um, you know what we did differently, I guess. Um, you know, people keep trying to compare uh, what we've been doing to like you know, the average like Azuki derivative that comes out with like a, a month of promotion and, uh, you know, rolls out, right? We've been at this for 15 months, right? So 15 months in crypto is like an eternity. It's like 15 months in, in crypto, like in tech, 15 months in tech is like, you know, five five years in any normal space. In crypto, it's like 10, if not more, right? It's, it's, it's a very long time. Uh, we built this community like brick by brick, like piece by piece. Uh, and we took kind of a very, you know, uh, house party uh, kind of approach when it came to, uh, you know, building out the foundation of the community. Like a, a story that always really stuck with me, and I, I shared a story a lot. Um, I heard a story about uh, Jamie Foxx and like three of his friends. Uh, if you're not familiar, Jamie Foxx is like, you know, uh, singer, actor, like well, well respected. Uh, super famous actor. Yeah, super famous yeah. actor. <laughs> I think he, we all he, know. He had a house party with, uh, with like three of his buddies. And uh, they had this idea to do just like a pizza party. And they wanted to see how big of a party they could host without, um, you know, spending any money, without like doing any promotions or like, inviting like specific uh performers and like staging this whole like production right and they had this all they had was basically a pizza and their phones and they wanted to see like what could happen as a result and uh they just started kind of contacting people like pulling favors pulling strings and then uh you know people just started showing up and it became this massive thing uh where where even kanye west in his prime you know came out and like performed like an impromptu performance like all this all this cool stuff happened everybody knew each other and it was just like became this massive kind of thing um we wanted to kind of build this out in a similar foundation. Like it started off with just like, you know, I invited about a hundred friends crowded, invited about a hundred friends. Like everybody on our team invited like a hundred friends. We got to know each other. Um, Cause obviously everybody has different kind of like circles of like people they know. And uh, it created this kind of like a really good environment where people were like vibing out. They were just enjoying themselves. They were surrounded by people that, uh, you know, kind of had a level of trust factor. Cause like, let's say I introduced my friends to crowds, friends and crowds, our friends got introduced to Caleb's friends and Nick's friends and so on and so forth. And then um, we opened it up where each person could invite one person. Uh, and it was, this was like a closed off the Discord community. We just basically launched the concept in the sense of like, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're building. Here's a sneak peek of the art. And people were like, this is cool. Let's, I'm, I'm, I'm down for an experiment. I'm down to join the ride. And so, you know, as people got to know each other, each person invited like one person. So that 500 community turned into a thousand. You know, we, we kept it kind of closed off, let people get to know each other more in the next phase. And then, you know, added another invite where people could you know, invite one more person that thousand turned into, you know, 2000, 3000 people. And so we, we built it like really like organically with a foundation like that. Um, it made sure that we didn't have like, you know, all these random people in there just kind of shilling and detracting the focus from what was being built there and what was going on. Um, and it was like kind of very similar to like when I was 19 years old, 20 years old. Like I had no money. I was just like, I grew up super, super dirt poor, like, uh, like immigrant family. Uh, I grew up in like a government funded housing project. Um, and so like, I had to like be creative. I had to like hustle if I wanted anything. Right. Like I was, yeah, I was a kid. Right. So like, I remember when I, you know, I, I put together my first concert. Um, it was literally me driving around uh, the city on public transit, uh, meeting people 
uh, that I knew through different friend groups uh, and, and, and hand selling them tickets one by one um, till I was able to put together an event and like 500 people showed up. Next time I did it, you know, a thousand people showed up. And it was like that hand to hand, like getting to know everybody hustle and building relationships with all those people one by one, one on one, uh, getting to know who they are, who they knew, and uh, kind of like doing that whole like organic process that was kind of the same mentality, I guess we took for this. It was like getting to know everybody one by one, understanding who they were, what they brought to the table, like what their relationships were, and recognizing them, recognizing the, their, their strengths kind of one by one. And as we did that, you know, more and people, more and more people got integrated and uh, you know, participated in what we were doing, and they they uh, it resonated with them. It wasn't like a, you know, like the the traditional scheme of like, hey, you know, tell a bunch of influencers, pay them to say nice things about you, run some ad campaigns. You know, all these random people show up from different uh, like uh, upbringings, uh, walks of life, uh, circumstances for different reasons, and uh, you know, try to make that work. Um, like that's not really a way to build a community. If you think about it, like foundationally, it's not, it's just like people participating for, uh, usually just financial reasons only if you, if you build up a community in that, that kind of way. Right. Yeah. So we, we, we moved away from that approach. We basically like, I'll cut it short. Um, we, um, we, we haven't, we didn't pay a single influencer to, uh, chill or say nice things about the project. And that was kind of like, we were very, very strict about that. We're still strict about that. Like we have, like a ton of like major celebrities uh, reaching out to us, like wanting to, to do stuff with us. And like to this date, we haven't paid a single influencer to, to show us or say nice things about us. We haven't paid for a single interview. Um, like the, the only giveaways that we we've done are like NFTs uh, in terms of like, you know, raffles, like public raffles. Sure. We did a pizza party that we give away and we did a donut giveaway. And that's basically what we spent on marketing. So like foundationally is kind of like, we're really you know, happy we did things that way because now we have this, super serious organic community that's not there because they're sponsored uh, to be there or they're like being manipulated to be there. They're there because they want to be there. They want I don't know, involved. dude, the pizza. I mean, that's a pretty big manipulative oh, tactic, yeah, sure. bro. The pizza, was like, the pizza and, bro. And you know what, what's really funny about the pizza? <laughs> when we did a pizza giveaway, we had probably like the most engaged, like people were like, because there's like a lot of other projects that were trying to like get noticed and stuff throughout this like whole, like, you know, Twitter experience of like giveaways. Like everyone was giving away NFTs. They were giving away ETH. And like the, the like the same stuff everybody else does, like give away ETH, give away NFTs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're like, okay, well, if we just give away ETH or NFTs, like we're going to be basically doing the same thing as everybody else does. So we're like, okay, well, we're going to give away pizza. Uh, so we gave out like we did, we hosted pizza parties for five different people, and we delivered pizza uh, to them uh, when they won, and it was like the best giveaway uh, response we've ever had because everybody loves pizza. Like they value pizza like, greater than they value ETH so and true. NFTs. It's so true, dude. Like, have, like delivering pizza to somebody is, is unbelievably oh, under, too. it's unbelievably, yeah, donuts, especially unbelievably underrated, but pizza is like the, I mean, that's the universal key yeah, to somebody's it's, it's heart. It's like the food, it's the food Mecca, right? Like, if you really have pizza, like how are you going to be upset <laughs> if you have pizza? You could be, you could be crying with a pizza and you'll be like, eh, it's not as bad. As right. Whatever, you you know, could be like really upset now. and the pizza man knocks on the door and you're like, oh, well, okay. Things aren't that bad. There's pizza. Yeah, We're exactly. Good. We're good. Everything's good now. I, I finished for a second. I like how the turn that this conversation took. I'm glad, Basil. I'm glad you're happy with the, the conversation. You know, that makes me happy, Basil, you know? Hey, Cyrus, you had your hand up for like a long time. And I know Crad's got his hand up, but Cyrus, you're after Crad, all right, my man? Yeah, no. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Crad, go ahead. Go ahead, Crad. What's up, man? I mean, yeah. There's just there's just so much good vibes here, man. I'm just really happy to come up and hear all the kind of cool stuff and the feedback from you guys regarding 
you know, just what's kind of occurred with AKCB and, you know, love hearing Raph throw down. It's always a pleasure. Um, but I'll let, I'll let Cyrus jump on this and I'll, I'll loop back around because it looks like you guys got a couple hands here. Go ahead, Cyrus. To your, to your previous point, when you inquired, like, what had they done different against the traditional norms of deployment? Um, for me, uh, it was the way they had structured their beast hoods uh, into the mint. Now, mind you, I didn't actually mint. I, I bought it on secondary. Uh, but imagine being able to mint already aligned to what you believe in and who you are as an individual. You're already entering in at a heightened sense of belongingness um, and attachment to what you're minting. And I think that really was the, the beginning of what you're seeing now. Um, you saw hypermobilization on the community level based off of that uh, setup on the mint. And, you know, like every day, man, like five, seven, eight hour spaces, think tanks in each beast hood, um, things that I've never seen before um, in my life. And I've been here for two years in this space. So um, these are things that, you know, and, and some people make the grave mistake of saying, what's the difference between a beast hood and a trait group? And there's a massive difference uh, between those two. And that's a whole other discussion, but I just wanted to share my opinion. Yeah, that sounds like a, a definitely a longer, uh, a longer conversation. Is there a way you can like distill that down into like 30 seconds, Rafsby? Like what you just said between beast hood yeah. and traits and yeah. Totally. Great. So, um, so I'll run this down super quickly. So uh, when people see a 10,000 collection and, and for the longest time, whenever, when people saw a 10,000 collection, they're like, how the fuck are you going to do this in a bear market? This is ridiculous. This is not going to work. Um, and so, I mean, that, that, that normally that's the case. I mean, we've seen kind of 10,000 10, collections. They're just not able to do it because there's, I mean, it's, it's difficult, right? Um, you know, the, 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 the situation we saw really commonly with, you know, large collections is like, if there's no level of like, um, I guess, interest uh, personally with a specific piece of art, when it comes to reveal time, there's a very high possibility someone will uh, flip that piece of art for something they like more if it doesn't resonate with them. What we did to kind of combat that is we created a situation where there's uh, essentially you know, 20 cliques or factions in the project. Um, they're based off uh, personalities and interests. Um, so, so like we have artists, we have musicians, we have business people, we have uh, crypto people, we have uh, hippies, uh, all these different cliques essentially. We made, and we made it so that people had to fill out a personality quiz to figure out um, which which uh, click they kind of fall into and get kind of a, a score assigned to uh, each uh, each click based off like the answers to the questions, kind of like a Meyer Briggs personality quiz. Um, so, so yeah, we basically created a, a kind of a situation where where people can uh, you know mesh with like minded people based off faction groups. And essentially, what we created is you know uh, twenty five hundred piece collections uh, working as one larger uniform collection, and so. This created two two things. Like first off, you know, right from the get-go, you're with like-minded people from the day you mint uh, who have, share a similar interest. If you're a musician, you're going to be surrounded by other musicians. Uh, if you're a business uh, person, you're going to be surrounded by other business people. Um, the very very, you know, it, it drastically decreased the likelihood for somebody to want to like just flip, but instead participate because when they reveal, they're going to have, you know, a character that has you know business-like traits, or if they're an athlete, they're going to have a character that has athletic-type traits. We also created the ability to select gender as well, too. So uh, women, you know, uh, got to finally have a, a PFP that represents uh, who they are, right? And, and that's a huge thing that a lot of uh, projects to this day neglect. They, they keep creating these boys club NFTs, right? And there's so many women in this space, right? So so that was like another, you know, awesome uh, thing that, that integrated that allowed uh, women to participate in the project and made the project 
you know, a lot better, a lot more appealing as well, too, uh, because it was, you know, there was like a level of equality. And uh, yeah, we just kind of uh, we touched on, like, I guess, the, the, the problem points with with other projects and just came up with solutions for them so that uh, not only did people feel inclusive, but they, they also got to meet, you know, like minded people. And they got art that they enjoyed right from the the, the get-go, right? Like when they mint, they they actually and they and they reveal they actually have something they enjoy. So they're far less inclined to uh want to just flip. And if they do flip, it's basically only to get their uh forever uh character, the one that really, really truly resonates with them. And that's something I, I found like every time I'm into a collection, um, you know, when when it comes to reveal time, I, I very seldom get something that like reflects who I am or or you know what I enjoy personally. And I I hang on to them anyways, just because like uh participating in a mint period is sentimental to me but uh but if it came down to it like i definitely would probably be someone who like sells it to get something else i enjoy instead and so like to combat that issue yeah that's pretty much what we created and what we came up with yeah i love it i'm gonna hey crad um there were a couple of hands up before you. you don't mind if i hit those guys first so no of course do your thing it's all good okay cool hey terry what's up i see your hand up down there hey i'm at the airport i hope can you guys hear me? We okay? can hear you. Yep. You're good. Okay. Okay. Good. So I just wanted to touch on, you're asking what's different about this project. And I've been in, I'm, it's embarrassing to say how many projects I've been in over the last couple of years, but one of the, well, there's a couple of things that are different. And I just wanted to point out, you know, they've, everybody talks about community and how important community is, but with a kid called these, there's the larger community and there's 20 sub communities. So you have all these groups like Raspi said, these like-minded individuals. But what these guys are doing is they're all of us are coming together and creating ways of putting together businesses. You know, in any other project, the only way you make money is if you can flip. But here, Raspi and Crad are encouraging us to go out and use our IP to, you know, do whatever, basically whatever we want, as long as it fits within the guidelines. You know, nothing crazy here, you know promoting things they don't want us to promote. But I mean, that's really unique. And I just haven't seen that before. Um, and then they're also really support women in Web3, which I think is has been great. But I just wanted to, to pull that out there. That's great. Joey, what's up, man? Your hand's up. Go for it. What's good, y'all? Lucas, uh, first time being on the space. So I uh, appreciate you for letting me come up. Uh, definitely going to be trying to tune in more. Raspy, congrats on the recent success. You've been killing it lately. Uh, the artwork from your homie is fire. I forget his Twitter name. I was going to try to real quick look it up so I sounded smart, but he's insane. The artwork he does is crazy. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I just wanted to say you guys are... Uh, I, I'm, it seems like you guys are focused on a kid called B, so just change the topic if I'm wrong. But uh, you guys recently are coming up on 100K. What do you think was the biggest factor in like the largest growth that you saw? Do you think it was just like the artwork getting shared around, or was it giveaways, or like what do you recommend for someone in a smaller project trying to grow to like larger numbers like that? Yeah, so I would definitely say um, in terms of growth. I guess creating kind of like shareable uh, moments where people can participate as a community. Uh, like the big thing with, with Twitter algorithm, which is different, I think from other platforms is like the more you post uh, engaging content, uh, the better. So like, um, you know, as we started posting more frequently, like, you know, initially we, our, our goal was kind of like one, one post a day, which was like uh, kind of like the standard for every social media platform. Like one, as long as you're consistently doing one post a day, uh, you know, you'll, you'll pretty much do well. You'll see growth. With Twitter, it's a little different. Like they, 
encourage you to post as many times as you can possibly post a day um, to, to keep people engaging uh, in the content. And they don't really like, for the most part, they won't like shadow ban or ghost uh, your reach as, as a platform. So really like you're just multiplying the amount of uh, visibility every time you post. So uh, the goal was always to ensure that we post stuff that allows uh, the community to participate. So votes was a big one, for example, allowing people to vote on decisions. It's a web three project. It's not a web two project, right? So why wouldn't you allow people to make decisions in real time and vote uh, on ideas or concepts, even if something simple as uh, you know, a color scheme or a background or a trait, uh, anything. I, I, I heavily, in my opinion, discourage uh, collections creating the art up front um, and not having any level of community participation. Because at that point, I mean, really, if you're, if you're creating something like that, and I'm speaking specifically about generative collections, not one of one art pieces, but if you're creating something that is a generative collection, um, I mean, wh why couldn't you just, I mean, realistically use a Web2 platform to build the exact same thing? Uh, well, what do you need a Web3 platform for, really? Um, if, you, if you're going to build everything up front and not have any community participation involved. Um, so so I've, I'm, I've always been really heavily geared towards like, okay, allow people to vote, allow people to make changes, allow people to make suggestions, uh, let them vote, make them, you know, make them want to be engaged in the creation process. Like when we created a kid called Beast, for example, we started with like 100 traits. Um, that was kind of like foundationally what we came up with. The community created the rest of them. Uh, and we're at 1,700 traits, uh, I believe, in the collection. Like, like a, a ton of them. Like we had to get 15 uh, 3D artists to work on these traits to actually be able to roll them out in time. Um, but we had them all suggested through the community. So that was a big thing that, that we uh, used to, you know, uh, garner support and garner uh, community involvement. Another thing, um, you know, creating kind of unique moments and experiences like the augmented reality was definitely cool. A lot of people to share, you know, their beasts in different parts of the world. Um, you know, creating kind of situations where people can participate, be involved, you know, a lot of the question asking cues, uh, AMAs, uh, contests, not just for like, you know, choosing someone to win ETH at random, but like art participation, um, you know, story participation, lore building participation. Uh, these are all things that are, I think are you know really great in, in creating kind of a engaged foundations with people, just allowing them to be involved, asking the questions, collecting the data, and then delivering on that data. Um, to, to kind of to kind of demonstrate like when you provide feedback as a community member, you're going to get a result and, and you're going to continue seeing kind of progress moving forward as you continue to provide feedback. So there is an incentive there because you now get to be a part of the story, a part of the, the experience. And I think that's like really what drove, uh, you know, the high engagement and like, you know, people continuing to, to learn about the project and want to get involved. That was an awesome answer. Appreciate you. Hopefully I can join uh, the champions court or beat street here soon. Crad, go ahead, my man. You got a quiet. You've had, you've been you've had your hand up for a while. Then I'll, then I'll go to Stone. <laughs> it's okay. Then I'll yeah, go to Stone. Go been, for it. <laughs> been patient on this. Um, let, no, it's all good. No, less less more of a question, but more of just kind of like a, a general like tone of the the whole market for everybody is like, how's everyone feeling about um, you know Ethereum moving up and like the Shanghai upgrade coming in and whatnot and just kind of just I don't know. Overall, like I'm looking at this and I'm really bullish on the market and like seeing this blur airdrop and how much volume is going through. Um, first time I've ever seen gas fees be over like 50 bucks for a shot. I was like, man, I was like, this is cool. This is like old times. I haven't seen this in a minute. So, you know, I don't know about the rest of y'all or how you feeling on that. Oh, bro. Yeah. Like looking at, uh, I mean, you're probably looking at the same thing I am like fourth 4,400 volume on other side deeds. Like that's crazy. It's incredible. Like I'm just looking at all these, uh, these numbers. I haven't seen numbers like this in a long time. Like we're seeing like 
three, four, five times uh, the volume that we've seen over like the last, I don't know, 12 months probably. Yeah, absolutely exactly. insane, insane levels of trading volume and just like everything just, yeah, everything's just pumping right now. Everything else, I, like, you know, no, notables at getting amplified. I think the blur liquidity is really helping. I mean, there's so many people right now with six figures to seven figures. Some individuals have eight figures completely for free. Well, I mean, they put in the work to get the trading volume and the airdrop, so free is relative. You put the time in. Uh, but uh, there's so much money right now, people don't even know what to do with it. So their first bet is, let me invest in blue chips. Let me invest in top 10 OS. Let me invest in where, where I believe I can park my money, have it be safe, and grow. Um, and so that's what you're seeing today. It's the first full day after the airdrop. People are beginning to deploy uh, their liquidity. Um, and I think, you know, some people perceive we're going to have a micro bull run in January for NFTs. I believe this board liquidity um, is going to extend that into, you know, towards the end of the first quarter. And by what I'm seeing on the data, people are farming for the next season already. So we should see this continuous stimulus throughout the year as well. So it seems like it's a very positive effect. What's a blur token worth right now anyways? That I haven't checked, so I can't speak from a point. I don't I think know. It's like 45 cents right now. I don't know. It was up to 90 earlier today. It's 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 obviously like dumped a lot since it came on. But um, Yo, I wonder if we get any of that uh, blur airdrop on we, contract. We did actually. Yeah, we were we just looking back at. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was some. Some Thunder could get a s substantial amount. How you know what, what it was? Because I <laughs> yeah, that could be what we used to throw a party in New York. It popped up at 39 dollars. Went to five dollars, and then it dropped after that but it was it was 39 dollars in the first five minutes it opened yeah wow. well, no, it's, the slippage was insane people were just front running the crap out of it crazy hey go ahead stone man you got your hand up right so really um i had a question about uh like the compromised wallets and stuff like that but with you guys talking about blur right now did you guys see what they just announced? They just announced that they're like uh, basically doing the block on OpenSea the way that OpenSea was doing the block on Blur. Crazy times. Um, but uh, so just run it back real quick. Uh, really what I wanted to ask, like just like simple, really, we don't really got to get too deep into it. But I was just wondering, so like if you got drained, and then you still went ahead and minted a few hours later when it went live, or whatever it was, how does that work? Or just just to be clear, you know what I mean? Because I have like a few friends asking the same thing in different For sure. chats and stuff. Yeah, just so wondering. It's, it's it's really specific uh, in terms of like the means of how the drain occurred. So so basically, like you know, we obviously had our, our Twitter compromised by that hacker group. Um, I mean, it was completely unavoidable. We found out because someone had access to a panel. Um, they were able to bypass two FA. They were able to bypass. Uh, SMS security, and they, they they approached the exact same way for for the other projects that they uh, they got into. Uh, we're still you know moving forward with uh, um, you know the compensation for those who were affected uh, by that specifically. So it only pertains to those who uh, clicked the link that was on our bio. So if you, you know you happen to you know get contacted by someone who's claiming to be a member of the team or like any other you know traditional typical uh, means of like you know uh, social engineering or phishing attacks. Like that won't be applicable because that's, I mean, that's just something that happens in the space. Uh, people, you know, have to just be diligent, practice, you know, the same level of security that they would with a credit card or any other kind of uh, e-commerce or any other kind of, you know, internet activity. Um, I mean, I mean, that's an un unavoidable thing. Right. Um, but, you know, because it was on our, on our main account uh, and in this circumstance only, 
because we already said we're going to do it. Uh, anyone who's drained through that bio link, uh, and we know which contract uh, was uh, was uh, responsible in the interactions that were involved with that specific drain, because uh, all the data is obviously on, on the blockchain. But anybody who filled out the form uh, who was affected in that specific circumstance uh, will be getting a compensated beast. Okay, yeah, that that's pretty clear. Um, and then, do you you guys got any opinions on on what Blur's doing right now with OpenSea? Yeah, I mean, they're doing some. I mean, here's the thing: like, I have some like fundamental issues with what they're doing, um, just because like you know this market would not, not exist without creators. I don't think that they're you know doing uh, creators any justice in terms of like their approach to uh, like royalties and creator fees and things like that. I mean, they're creating an amazing environment for traders. Um, but I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, you know, traders could trade any asset, right? And in, in a lot of circumstances, those assets could be things that don't involve uh, creators specifically, right? There's coins, there's tokens, there's uh, there's stocks, there's different things to invest in. Uh, in terms of like something that's uh, creatable, that has like a membership utility, that has a bunch of like, you know, different other components to it. I think that what they're doing in some ways is kind of shitty. Um, like bypassing, uh, you know, contract level things to, uh, you know, prevent creators from, uh, royalties. It's kind of like, I mean, obviously I'm in on a, in a biased perspective as being, you know, a founder of a project, uh, but I'm speaking on, on behalf of any creator, right? There's, there's small time people that are looking to get started up and they're, they're kind of like bypassing uh, a market dynamic that, uh, incentivizes creators to actually want to create. If they, if they, you know, take too much market share and they disable, uh, people's willingness to want to create, uh, things. Then pretty much you're you're not going to have that startup foundation and innovation anymore. You're pretty much going to only have uh, projects that come out that are funded by venture capitalists or, or large funding uh, means. And then you know I think the innovation is going to kind of crop down. There's going to be less uh, you know kind of creativity involved in the startup space. And then it's going to be strictly uh, you know cropped right down to people who have access to a large amount of funds who are profit driven businesses. Um, and that'll be basically what the market consists of uh, at that point. And there's going to be, you know, a total different dynamic in the way projects are set up. A lot more projects are going to uh, start holding on to supply because they don't have uh, the ability to uh, collect royalties. So you're going to start seeing a lot more projects uh, holding uh, supply in a in a very centralized way and not in a, a very open source way. And uh, yeah, I think it's just, I don't know, I don't think it's a healthy dynamic. I think what was working, you know, when OpenSea first launched uh, isn't broken. It works very, very well. Um, and then, you know, in every market, there are fees associated with trading every single one. Can I, can I just um, say this while we're on this? Cause like the, all this is, is literally looks rare 2.0. Like if anyone remembers like the looks rare drop where they did it, like all they've done here literally is they found 100%. a gap. Yeah, exactly. Like they, they turned off the trading fees so that they, people didn't get wrecked, like doing wash trading to win the free tokens. But that's literally all everyone's doing right now. Yeah. Because, every, every, everyone, everyone is like. I, like a lot of that volume that we're seeing right now is definitely wash trading volume. People trying to get uh, free tokens. Exactly what happened on Looks Rare, and we all know how that uh, ended up. Yeah, right? exactly. Look at Looks Rare. Looks Rare is crushing it right now, isn't? Aren't they guys? No, I'm just kidding. Sorry, bad joke. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. They, everybody <laughs> much, uh, near the end of that got got Too absolutely soon? wrecked and destroyed. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was. It ruined them. Isn't backed by some pretty pretty big VCs though, like Paradigm? Like I'm pretty sure that they have like a market maker that if the coin dropped, that they would have like an investor back the coin, uh, so that it looks like it's still doing well. Where I don't think like looks rare or like if you remember like SOS, like no one else had what kind of what they have. But I don't want to diminish Raspy's point. That's why I wasn't even gonna say it because he's absolutely right about the creators and the royalties and whatnot. But 
there there is that facet of like they do have some big people behind them and I mean, a lot of the other projects didn't i just want to say to you like paradigm's not that like par dude paradigm you know pretty much promoted like you turns part of a ton of different things they like they haven't had the you know i'd say expansion of a market maker for a long time and if you look at to like the real traditional market makers like winter mule and the people who are actually in the space moving like 100 200 million a day in like liquid trading volume um like they're they're not looking at this token in any sense of the word like um you look at like and like i'd shell back to looks rare like you can look at like the xyt token um there's this like art or the apparent one whatever you want to call it um you just look back to all of it and the, and the reality is is like this is why OpenSea hasn't made a token you know because like tokenization for a reward-based income is literally just like a ponzi scheme at the end of the day it's 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 first one in last one out bottom line you know and, yeah, and that's, yeah it's a game of x like a hot potato exit liquidity like that's literally yeah, what yeah exactly like like if there's no like outside uh revenue generation needs like that's why play to earn rarely works because people like you know they, they they create a liquidity pool and then there's always a, the the people who will find a way to manipulate that liquidity pool. Uh, usually, they'll set up farms of you know gamers that will you know treat it like a job, and uh, that liquidity will get sucked out faster than anyone who's a casual gamer will actually get to see those rewards in the first place. Um, because like the mechanisms like broken for play to earn, they don't they don't stick to models that work in like the Web two traditional world with like ad revenue and stuff like that. I'm surprised nobody's fucking built a game with like ad revenue like similar to like one of those like android or or um you know apple store games that, that make millions of dollars in ad revenue and, and yet they like build these like play to earn models with no revenue generated outside of the the initial liquidity that's used to fund the project like it's it's mind-boggling the people assume that people are going to enter the market at a at a rate that's going to outpace uh the rewards and that's not the case and and we're going to see that that's not the case here as well i think with uh with uh, blur the people you know hearing about the rewards and the benefits uh, they're going to try to, you know, enter and become participants in this uh, at a rate that's far greater than the capacity to distribute those rewards. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, free to play games, and uh, obviously the free free to game free to play gaming, you know, ethos where you know you're going to get people in, they're going to pay to like jump the line, things like that. They're going to pay for in-game assets, all sorts of stuff, and otherwise you can grind your way through the game without having to pay anything, but I can tell you the people who do pay at the uh, the ROI is pretty is pretty great, and it keeps the game alive and going. And of course, the lifetime of a game is pretty short, right? Any game, even like the best of the best games, have a have a shelf life. At some point, you know they don't become like Pac Man or like Tetris, where you can play those games forever. There's literally. I think it's like a good game has like a 13 month window or like 18 month window. And then it's like some they're on to the next game and that's talking like triple a gaming, you know, like uh, black ops is a great example. I played that game like crazy. I dumped so much time into that game. And like two years later, people are on to the next games and like black ops one was obsolete. No one was in the, no one was in the, uh, the waiting rooms. No one was ready to play the game anymore except for the diehards. And the game actually got hacked so badly to the point where people were using like playstations that were, you know what I mean? Like hacked really, really well. So they can just like unlimited shooting aimbots, so like all sorts of things. Like you can't get injured and things like that. And it's like, I don't understand why people play games like that. Once you hack it, it's just boring after that. But yeah, I, man, I, th I think casual gaming is where it's at. And I think free to play, like we have to start thinking of like in game assets and selling things in game in order to keep these games alive. If you're going to build a game, like that's the way to do it in this space. It's not selling NFTs to keep it going forever. Go ahead, Brad. 
I was gonna say, I think uh, I think Fortnite has nailed it as far as the the way that games are gonna kind of be successful in Web three. You know, having these different like essentially same game, but they have these seasons. You know, so each season, and by kind of making it seem like it's a season, you know, um, I mean everybody wants to win, right? I mean, like nobody plays something hoping to lose, you know, and so it's like you know you have this whole season to collect these things. If you want to buy them with your, you know, your fiat and purchase their in-game currency, you can, or you can grind to earn these things. And then at the end of the season, they reset, you know, and now it's like a whole new opportunity to get a whole bunch of new stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm super bullish on Fortnite, um, web three and major brands working together kind of harmoniously. Yep. Dude, exactly what you oh. said too. Like the season structure is is king. Like you, all the best games do it. Like Fortnite, Call of Duty, you know, Dota, League of Legends, Fall Guys, like all these games that, that incorporate seasons and incorporate like limited drop items for season to incentivize players. And then like even like a you know an in-game currency, uh, which could easily, you know, transition to like a web three uh currency over time as as that uh becomes available. Um yeah, these these all these games all do like hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, create thousands of jobs. Uh, and they're, they're sustainable economies, the way they're structured. So, so yeah, I think, uh, you know, once that kind of concept merges with a play to earn, uh, we'll see something there at that point, I think. Yeah. I wonder if it's going to be play to earn or if it's going to be free to play. I don't know, man. I think play to earn is, so, I almost think PDE is like, in a think, way. Think of like World of Warcraft, actually. That was kind of the OG of like yeah. free to play. Right. Kind of. Because I guess there was a monthly fee associated with playing the game, but like free to, free to, play i guess you could grind out awesome like treasures and items and then sell them for like thousands of dollars on like ebay and stuff so True. yeah i think yeah. that that economy was kind of the og economy that worked really really well and i mean if you think about how long world of warcraft's been around it's uh you know it's been i think at least 15 years of world of warcraft if i'm not mistaken way longer than that way longer than that right so yeah. so yeah that i mean that, if there's a if there's a proof of concept that's it right there yeah i agree with you well i mean that's why ethereum was originally kind of invented you know, was because of World of Warcraft. Yeah, exactly. Because of the update that happened, and then Vitalik got mad and he decided to build Ethereum. Like, what a fucking wild twist! <laughs> hey, I mean, that's smart. You build for you. You know, you build to fix his problems. You're building to fix thousands of people's problems. Like again, the, as I say, you service one, you service thousands. So, I agree with that statement, and uh, I'm glad he built it. Right. Are we glad oh, a little bit? Fuck. Yeah, they, they literally we're, we are not all here. Otherwise, we'd be we'd be like all into ordinals, and we'd be like, oh man, finally nah, we, we can make ordinals. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> we'd still be over on Clubhouse is where we'd be right now. Ooh. Yeah, exactly, one hundred percent. Like crypto Twitter, not. Nah. I like Clubhouse, man. The platform's stable, but I can tell you, man, without a social network connected to it, the way Twitter has it, it's just, I, I saw, I saw this launch and I was just like, yeah, you guys are when they offered $4 billion to buy clubhouse. And they said no to that. I was like, what a bad idea that was, but Hey, I don't really know the, the profit and loss, um, or the cap table that they're working with over there. You know I mean? They're a private company. They're not like blockchain. You can't just go onto the blockchain and see like how much money they have in there you know, their crypto wallet, to, you know, the, that they're working with. I think it's like a lot of money though, like at least over a hundred million dollars in investment. So they got some money to, to ride out some of the storms. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but clubhouse is actually making some solid moves to try to get back in, um, get some OGs back over to clubhouse and use the, uh, use their app. They even have token gated, uh, rooms now over at clubhouse. Kind of interesting stuff. So, uh, you know what chain they're using? Say again. 
you know what chain they're using for those? Games? No, I no clue. Uh, Honestly, I, I just knew about that. And um, I knew that they were trying to get a whole bunch of people back there. And I was like, the idea of like trying to get people back there is so hard when you already had them losing those people was a big mistake. And it was because they just didn't innovate enough. They focused on just audio all the time instead of building a network. Go ahead, Terry, you had your hand up first. Um, so I was just clubhouse with their token dating. Um, each house could use their own token. So it could be any Ethereum token. Like they could say anyone with a board ape could join this club and you would connect your wallet. And if you had a board ape in your wallet, you could be part of the club. Or if you had your own project, like a kid called beast, um, if, to get into the house and you had a kid called beast token, then you could get in. Is that already functional? Ethereum based. It is. Yeah. It's been functional. functional. It's yeah. It's been functional for a while. The problem is nobody uses clubhouse anymore. You know what I mean? Like even like the biggest people like on clubhouse don't even use clubhouse anymore. Like 3 million follower plus followers are like, they're not even using it anymore. So it's like, if you have 3 million followers on clubhouse and you're not using it, that's a big red flag to me. But all the houses, the houses were opt out instead of opt in. And so people like me, I got inundated. I finally, I loved Clubhouse. I was there for two years. I mean, I, I was there 24 seven, but the houses being opt out. I mean, I'm, I'm in a thousand houses. It's just overwhelming. So I left. I'll go over there when Twitter's broken for about 10 minutes and I realize how much I miss Twitter. Yeah. I was just going to say, dude. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Fiddy, you're right, man. I, I'm not hating on Clubhouse, by the way, because Clubhouse itself, like what it does, exactly what it does, the audio spaces are unbelievably stable. Like you don't have to worry about something crashing. You don't have to worry about like a, a co-host or a host losing signal. If they do, it just passes over the hosting ability to one of your co-hosts or one of the speakers. Like it doesn't allow the room to crash. The like, stability over there is is so cool. And I just don't understand how we can't replicate it here, but I'm sure there's some kind of technical hurdle I'm unaware of, but, and there's also, there's also uh, patents guys. Don't forget like Twitter can't exactly ca- like copy clubhouse and exactly what they do. Cause they've patented some of the stuff they do. So unless uh, Snapchat stories. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not saying every, Sorry. I'm not saying everything's patented in the world. I'm just saying they're, uh, the way you do a space here is so different than a way you do a, a clubhouse room. Like it's there's separation in clubhouse, you know, there, there's the speakers and there's a line of like people who are, con, you know, f- followed by those people. And then there's a, the crowd behind those people that are just like listeners. So it definitely puts you in a, a population there, you know, like here are the speakers and it separates you. And here are the people that are followed by those speakers and it gives you like front row seats and then the the third row or uh, the steerage class are like in the back. So in a way, that's also bad, bad a bad user experience. Although we're used to looking at that at, in Twitter, like everybody's on on, on MySpace at least. Like, as I look down, like the speakers are are above with little red marks next to them as the mics. But other than that, everybody's just blended in. There's no like delineation between lines and things like that. So I actually think it kind of uh, I hate to say open office concept versus like. Uh, you know, um, people that have offices and like, like really tall cubicles or something like that. In this way, it's like, everybody's like wide open and they have the ability to come up and speak. And it's pretty easy to do that. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I think clubhouse is cool. Like I said, they should have taken the offer from Twitter. And, uh, I think they could have really, really crushed it over here with uh, a clubhouse slash Twitter team working together. Although when Elon took it over, I'm not really sure how many of those clubhouse people would have been, would have been spared. The, uh, I know that right now they're not 
dedicating too many resources to spaces currently internally. So, um, you know, hopefully they do closer to like Q3, Q4 of 2023. I think there's so much opportunity with spaces myself. Um, you know, me about being on clubhouse, Lucas, Yeah, you're like, you're like in there, you're having a conversation. It's not bad. All of a sudden you're in a room with like some person by yourself. I don't know what you pushed. You push the button and now you're like, <laughs> should a conversation, should I leave? And then you can't even find your other room. You're like sitting there. They put so many buttons on there. So it's true. Like, so true, it, it's like being in a, in, in a Tesla or something. I don't like it. Yeah. It's, it definitely, they, they definitely overcomplicated the UI for sure. I mean, Twitter, I mean, let's be honest, Twitter's no better, bro. Like you leave a space here and you try to look for it up in the, the spaces bar there. Like you can barely find that stuff like that, that collapse. Like every time I'm looking at a space, I'm like scrolling through them and you, you have like three or four scrolls before they just disappear. And then you have to like refresh and then three or four Yo, scrolls. Yo, that happens to you too? Everybody, dude. dude. I could, I could no, tell you right now, there was a, they were trying to get rid of the space bar for a while there, guys. And I literally, hopefully I had some little say back in the day. They're like, we're getting rid of the space bar. I'm like, do not. Get rid of the space bar, guys. This is going to kill the system. Like, you can't put it in the discovery tab. No one's going to look there. And if they do, the tabs are stacked in a strange way. And then they put this, like, I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, not everybody has it, I don't think. But there's this, like, audio tab now that shows, like, highlighted spaces, like the biggest ones that happened that day. And you don't even get to see, oh, dude. like, the and, spaces and that are happening now. shitty about that? Yeah. The shittiest thing about that is, like, uh, you won't have that until you host a space for the very first time. The second you host a space for the very first time, you get this stupid uh, window there that won't even show you the pre- like the spaces that are, are kind of running. I remember right now, yeah. I, I want to know the space, space that's happening time. now. I want to know the spaces yeah. that are on no, that right used now. I have an option to be able to find them. And yeah. then as soon as the, I hosted a space for the first time, it disappeared. And I was the only way I was able to find them is in the top bar on the home screen. Yep. And I was like, why would you do this? Yeah, it's a bad UI for sure. But, you know... They still are crushing it. I mean, this spaces is like such a great tool. Social audio is just a great tool. I wish it had video streaming capabilities though. Like if you could just like pin something to the top of like, uh, and then, and then desktop functionality too. Like I, I'm, I don't know why they don't have desktop functionality. It makes no sense. Yeah, it's definitely weird. Um, they do have desktop functionality. You can use an emulator and stuff like that. So. If you really wanted to go off desktop, you can it's use... It's trash, though. Blue, blue Stacks is yeah, such trash. I, I don't disagree. Blue, blue Stacks is a tough one, for sure. Um, they're, you know, I'm not sure if making a desktop would be better or not. You know I mean? I, I do like desktop. You know, like, obviously, the ability to do things from your desktop rather than your phone only. But this kind of keeps people from taking part that don't have a phone, and I think they're doing that intentionally. So they can tie it to a phone number that, you know, like bad actors could be tied to phone numbers or something like that. So if you have like a space and it's like a hate space, they know exactly who it was and they had definitely had a phone or they were using an emulator or whatever the case may be. I think it's like, this is, this is a, a, again, locks are on doors to keep honest people honest. And these, these, this lock right here where you have to use a phone right now, if you were really smart and you really wanted to go through the effort, you could do it off of a desktop, right? And, you know, it's easy to, it's actually not even really that smart, but it's an extra barrier to people actually doing it. And they probably won't because that's how people are. They're like, oh, that's too much work. I'm just going to use my phone. So theoretically, it's better to use the phone. And then it also gives you location services and everything like that that goes with it as well. So I got a, we got another question down here, Joey. What's up, man? Yeah, I just, I can't believe there's not a place where you can look at all the spaces you set reminders for. Yeah, there's nothing like that, man. There's nothing like that. Yeah. 
it's crazy. I mean, it does, they are working on it here and there, but like the, the, the resources are not being allocated internally. I'm positive about that. So they don't, they just aren't, they just have so much work to do, I guess. And they just don't have as many people to do it anymore. Clearly we all know that one. Um, so hopefully they do allocate some resources to this because creators that are building, you know, uh, doing Twitter spaces on a regular basis could actually, you know, it doesn't just disappear on your timeline because those, those spaces disappear. Like you, you post it. Great. Everybody comes to your space. And like literally two days later, it's covered by tweets. Like you just don't see the space anymore unless you pin it to the top. Go ahead, Terry, your hand went up just literally <laughs> milliseconds before motivate, but uh, you go first and then write to save, motivate. Save it to your calendar. <laughs> I just save it to my Google. I save the spaces to my Google calendar and then I could go back in. And then if there's a recording, I can still go back to like last Wednesday and click on the space and get the recording. So just save it to your Google calendar or your Apple calendar or whatever. There you go. That's not a bad idea at all. I like that one. Go ahead, Motivate. What's up, man? Yeah, I think one of the biggest issues with the whole thing is the fact that like a lot of people that are creators on here don't understand the value of creating a strong funnel. And that really is what makes this stuff successful. If you're literally only building on Twitter or only building on Clubhouse or LinkedIn or Instagram or whatever it is, and you don't have any repository outside of that platform, like you're really selling yourself short. And I feel bad for like on chain radio and leap and all of these other groups and collectives and posses. I mean, I don't necessarily feel bad, but I'm just like, no, when I get what you're saying. To, yeah, yeah. yeah, when are they going to refunnel and redistribute that traffic to a place that they can call home that they own, you know? And that's a perfect example is like what Rug Radio did and NFT Now did. You know, they started building outside of the platform, but still leveraged the platform for the value that it offers. But um, I'm just, I'm really crossing my fingers that when spill launches which is where a majority of the disgruntled twitter and ex twitter staff went to build um you know i just hope that they do it right because those are the guys and girls that were actually pushing innovation and web3 tools usage and things of that nature here yeah i hope so too and again they are focused on a lot of web3 still over there as far as i know like i said i don't really have i'm not like mr insider over here but i definitely know enough people that are working, you know, on spaces and, and some of this web three, you know, innovation on Twitter and they are definitely, you know, not putting uh, as many. I was talking on spill. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know anything about spill and yeah, I mean, probably a new, a new platform. Hopefully it works. Most, most of these social media platforms that take off afterwards don't really do so well. Um, but I'm not, I can't say that they won't do well just because, you know, who knows, right? Anything, anything's possible. They do it right, and it's a better pl- and if it's a better user experience and better discoverability, better ways of like keeping your data and and hope you know, like your your audience in one place and owning your audience in a way. I'd say that would be a definitely a better play, but you know, Twitter it's Twitter's a to lose right now, and they are. I wouldn't say they're losing. I actually think they're doing a pretty good job. They just need to move a little faster and then focus on the things that people care about. Like what I care about may not be the most important thing right to Twitter, they have the numbers. So, um, to me, like they know, analytically speaking, what is the best tools and features they need to update and fix because 90% of like everybody on Twitter are complaining about it. And we're talking about, you know, spaces being better or like discoverability being better. And they're probably like, yeah, that's like 10th on our list guys. 
like to make Twitter like profitable, we got to get, we got to net, you know, X out these first nine things. Like we don't really care about the, what you guys are doing in spaces. Don't get me wrong. Spaces are critical to Twitter. Like they really, they need them. They're like, if you think about it, somebody from Twitter could come in here and ask us right now what we want to see. And here we are power users on Twitter spaces, giving them free feedback where they couldn't get feedback if it was anywhere else. Right. These are all little, um, focus groups. So they could come in here and they, and they have lots of times come in here and been like, Hey, what are you guys using? What aren't you using? What do you find useful? Like, what do you, what should we sunset? You know, what product do you guys not use the most? And like, we'll just replace that feature with something else. I mean, they even did the whole emoji switch, which was like, hold on, let's add a bunch of emojis here. Make it look awkward when you throw an emoji now. Cause there's like rows and it's like rows of emojis. I'm just waiting for like the third row of emojis to pop up eventually because people are complaining about emojis, which are so insignificant. Like who cares about emojis? I think we got enough guys, you know, like let's move on from emojis and let's start adding like discoverability. I definitely think that's powerful. I think it's a lot better if you can like connect your Twitter space and have it connect right into, you know, like a, a, a RSS or, or audio streaming where you can just automatically input that to podcasting and audio casting. There's so many things you can do. I digress. So, <laughs> I mean, I miss, I miss the peace sign. I wish they'd bring the peace sign back. I like that one. Yeah. The peace sign's great, dude, but it's from, it's friggin' Yeah. It's an emoji, bro. I think we can get over it though. So raspy man, what, what's the, and I, I don't like asking this question like most of the time, but in this case you're around here, you seem like you're going to be, you're, you're going to be sticking around for a while. What is the, what does the future hold for, um, you know, a kid called beast for the next like 12 to 24 months or, you know, I'm treating it. I think of it as like a business. So like, I'm not saying, Oh, what do you, what's, what's going to happen next month? Like what's really going to happen? Like in the next like year or two, I'm going to go with. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, we are like kind of looking at this from the lens of like, we are trying to build, uh, you know, a really serious IP. Like we think that we, we have a character that uh, is really, truly special. And, uh, you know, we want to see it everywhere. We want to see people, you know, use the character character to create IP uh, that's seen everywhere. Similar to like, you know, the way you'd see Mickey Mouse on, on everything and anything or Bart Simpson on anything and everything. Uh, We want people to do that with this character Um, in terms of like what we're doing uh, as a team. Um, you know, obviously we're going to be doing, uh, some events for sure. Um, it's part of the, you know, the, the art, music, fashion culture that we're trying to create. Um, we're, we're definitely uh, in early stages of doing, uh, like a feature film. It's going to start with a short film. Uh, so we're kind of in the storyboard phase of that and, uh, talking to a bunch of different studios, uh, to help assist us with, with that, that kind of, uh, component. And then also early phase of a uh, game as well too. Gaming has always been something we wanted to uh, participate in. We think the character, We've already seen samples of the character being utilized in different games. And, uh, you know, we're very excited about uh, a gaming component. Um, and aside from that, obviously, you know, uh, supporting creators uh, with the IP, expanding on the IP, um, you know, trying to get it out there. Uh, we know there's a ton of holders that, uh, you know, that have kids that love the, the character. They enjoy, uh, you know, teaching their kids about like augmented reality and, and like just, just different components like 3d printing. I know like people are 3d printing the kids already with their, uh, uh, with the 3d printers at home and and like you know painting them with their kids and like it is like a very family friendly um ip that we're building out and we want people to just like kind of enjoy the exploration process the participation process you know finding you know like-minded community members um we're launching a label for music within the next two weeks as well uh so that's going to be really cool being able to promote artists and, and have the community come together to support artists uh, within the community as well 
um, you know, a bunch of different things like creator funds. Um, yeah, over the next 12 to, uh, to 24 months, I think we're going to see some really, really cool things. Uh, we're currently working on T-Pose models for the characters. Uh, so that'll allow uh, integration into like basically every metaverse once these are complete. Um, so yeah, we're just kind of gearing things up and getting ready to you know make this as open source and as and as uh, usable as possible. I mean, people are already kind of undertaking posing the characters, which allows you know animation, it allows uh, augmented reality, it allows uh, metaverse integration, gaming integration, like Unreal Engine, um, Unity Engine, all these kind of uh, gaming creation platforms. But we want to expand upon it further and, and give people more ability to create and pose and and integrate in different like softwares and and use cases. Uh, and as we do that, I think you know the the user generated content that's going to come out is just going to expand even further. It's going to provide a lot more reach. Uh, you know, we're now also talking to a bunch of different like uh, celebrities who have reached out to us who love the project, who want to uh, get involved in the project uh, in their own ways, in their own activations. Um, yeah, it's just like. Um, you know, it's 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 again it's an IP play. We're trying to build like the next you know minions, the next Angry Birds, um, and we're just kind of like taking those routes and those plans to uh, to do that. And so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not sure where it's going to be in you know 12 to 24 months, but I know like what we're working on, and I'm very excited about it. It's a dream come true. Yeah, I like what you said about music. I mean, there's never there's never enough support for like the musicians in the space. I think seems like a lot of yeah. people are using like I don't know if you've heard of Sound X Y Z. Um, and there's a couple of other, yeah, like audios. Yeah. There's a couple other platforms out there. Or audius, and, sorry. Audius. It was a, it was a kind of I know, SoundCloud. Yeah. Platform, I know what you're trying to say. I know what you're trying to say. Um, all yeah. those, all those platforms, like, if, are you, are you going to be helping them like with that? Like, is it going to be like a sound XYZ you're building? No, or is it more like no, a no, management? No. So we're not trying to build. Uh Oh, might be getting a phone call again. Go ahead. You, you, are you there, bro? Raspy, oops, uh oh, he's got, he's got, he's got shanked. It must be serious alpha, guys. <laughs> he, he just got, got shanked. Oh man, <laughs> space has shanked him, yo. Um, I'm that's normal. He got a phone call that he obviously had to take, so that's what that's what just happened to everybody. So he's like, oh, got that phone call, got to go by, <laughs> and that's legit. So, uh, hey, Fitty, what's going on, my man? Fiddy didn't even say bye. He's just there on mute, hanging out. Fiddy is still in the bathroom with the hot sauce. Dude, Fiddy. Ugh, don't make me text you, bro. Hey, Mintify, do you want to give us the uh, the market report? Why uh, why uh, Raspy's gone? Are you still there, Mintify? Yes, I am here. What's yeah, going on? Like, I think you were asleep, bro. Did I just wake you up? It's okay. No, I, I wasn't asleep. <laughs> uh, I'm over here doing. I'm doing some other stuff while I listen. Sorry, you want to give your report real quick? Right? Why? No. Um. Why? Why? Raspy's like. Out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Hit it, man. Sure. Uh. All right. The 24-hour Ethereum market volume just about 35 million, up 28 percent. Solana market volume 2.8 million. Uh, actually, sorry, I missed the uh, the percentage. Thirty four point six million Ethereum market volume. I'm sorry about that. Twenty eight percent up. Solana market volume two point eight million. Actually, twenty three percent down. The highest sale from this morning was ninety ETH on Board Ape seventy eight ninety seven. The top gaining index was top one hundred social up one percent on Chain Monkey, leading it with a two point one ETH floor price up twenty seven percent. 
Lil Pudgies at number 2.63 ETH floor price up 25%. And then a kid called Beast, 2.3 ETH floor price up 19%. Might be a little bit outdated. This was from uh, earlier this morning. And then uh, the top losing index, top 20 art down 14%. Number one with checks, 0.87 ETH floor price down 14%. Fontana by Harvey Ranger, 5.8 ETH floor price down 13%. And Midnight Breeze, 0.18 ETH floor price down 7%. There were a whole bunch of uh, market uh, news updates. So uh, let's check this out. The uh, all eligible traders who uh, participated in the Blur airdrop have 60 days to claim their Blur. Blur token claimers were met with geo restrictions for U.S. residing traders. Um, some quick stats from earlier today on Blur. Blur reached over 500 million trading volume following its airdrop, where users spent upwards of $200 in gas to claim, with Guay reaching over 800. Blur has a, a market cap of approximately $320 million and a fully diluted market cap of approximately 2.6 billion with 360 million out of the 3 billion total tokens currently in circulation so they uh they have some more seasons and whatnot for for uh trader airdrops and whatnot and some other uh tokenomics to distribute the rest CME group um is offering a new feature soon to allow retail traders to bet on the closing price of bitcoin a little bit more of an accessible um feature on their platform because the their general perpetual contracts or uh, futures contracts are i believe a minimum of like two bitcoin so that's a little bit uh, a little bit more out of reach for most retail traders or a lot of retail traders uh cz well let me start with this paxos burned 700 million busd following the regulatory pressure from the sec and cz re responded uh saying crypto is likely to move away from usd stable coins and the last news item, which is pretty cool in my opinion, German engineering giant Simons issued a $64 million digital bond on a public blockchain. I believe that was Polygon, emphasizing the benefits of using digital bonds over traditional bond issuing methods. Digital bonds produce paper-based certificates and can be sold directly to investors without needing a bank intermediary. Crypto actually pumping right now. Uh, let me pull up my chart if I can. Bitcoin right around uh, 23,630 and Ethereum at 16,34. Both are up probably over 5% on the day. Sheesh. I mean, they're absolutely flying right now. But yeah, flying yeah, right this now. This is a reminder to everybody when you see those consecutive red days in a row and that, and that doubt starts coming in the back of your mind, how many times did you fade it? And then wake up to green days like today. Hey, just just putting it out there. <laughs> Definitely, uh, I I do want to emphasize. While it very well could get absolutely blown through, there is still an impending um, bearish weekly you know weekly death cross above uh, price action right around twenty five and a half thousand. Um, so yeah, what's up with that? Know, death, there's, hey, there's, what's up with that death cross, dude? I keep hearing death cross. Everybody's like, it's, it's, a, it's a weekly exponential EMA. It's a weekly uh, EMA death cross. It hasn't happened yet. It's not crossed bearishly. Um, the fifty-five is um, what still above the two hundred. Um, but in a few weeks, if if price remains below it, it could cross bearishly. You know, I mean, until that happens, until it's confirmed, um, you know. It doesn't exist yet, but they are very, very, like, very close. 
And this cross has never actually happened in, you know, in the history of Bitcoin before. It still hasn't happened, to be fair. It's just extremely close and it's closer than it's ever been before. So we'll see what happens. Um, I, I'm inclined to think there will be some resistances. I mean, there very likely will be resistances in that area. Um, whether or not it gets over is not something that I'm, you know, I'm betting on. Um, I'm, you know, I believe in long term in crypto. That's, you know, it's kind of a belief and not, you know, you can't really predict whether that'll happen or not. What you can say is that there are very likely going to be pretty significant um, resistances and volatility when approaching that level, which is right around twenty five thousand. And then there's also um, a pretty significant CME gap at twenty eight thousand dollars. Word. Thanks for the update, dude. You didn't. I didn't. I noticed you didn't mention anything about ordinals. Really interesting, Mintify. You know, there's, there's only so much to talk about. I mean, what do you want me to say? They got over. They're over. There's over. There's over a hundred thousand of them now. Like, come on. Like, don't get me one, wrong. It's hey, cool and all. I have, and I have one, a few of them. But I have like, a nineteen. I have a nineteen thousand below twenty thousand number. So that's what's up. I've got uh, two below fifty k and a third at like ninety nine something, ninety eight something thousand. I don't expect any of them to be you know worth anything. They're just like some like what two of them. One of them's a Star Wars quote. One of them's a Lord of the Rings quote. And the other one is <laughs> the other one below just below hundred k. I, I was like just trying to think of something really quickly to to throw on there because I wanted another one underneath hundred k. And I just did the uh, what was it? You know the the Rebel sigil from Star Wars. So uh, I'm a big science fiction geek. Yeah, I dig it, dude. I dig it. Luke, what's up? I see somebody named Luke came up here. Feels weird to have another Luke on stage. What's up, man? What's up? Well, good for us. My name is Luke, not Lucas, actually. No one ever believes that, but uh, yo. Are you, so whoever's behind are, you Min- are you climbing like uh, Mount Everest right now, bro? Or like, what are you doing? Uh, no, I'm on a run, but I got these new headphones that I guess just absorb all the wind. So maybe I should unmute yeah, and just listen. Is it an iPhone? Do you have an iPhone? Do you have an iPhone? Do you have an iPhone? I have an iPhone, and these are uh, Skull Crusher. All right, I'm going to teach you Skull something. Candy I'm Evo about... Crushers. All right, stop running. Stop Bro, running. Stop first. Just walk. Walk for like Two seconds. one minute. Yeah, yeah. Listen yeah, to I'll this. tell I'm you gonna, it's not muting the wind. I'm gonna fix. I'm gonna fix. Hold on, dude. Hold is on. Is it Don't better unmute. when I'm walking? No, yeah, it is a little bit better. Let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna literally fix everything in your life right now for you here we go so while you're looking at your phone swipe down from the right swipe down from the right and you'll see a mic mode and then mic mode turn it off standard and click on voice isolation and we won't hear anything but your voice do it dude do it man well you said swipe down from the right yep down from the right you'll see a thing that says mic mode at the top and then you click mic, it says mic standard, you click mic to voice isolation, and it switches it all so you can actually talk and we don't hear anything but your voice. You can do it, bro. I, I have confidence. Hmm. Maybe I need to update my phone because... <laughs> it's good, Luke, it's good. You know what, you're not, you're not making too much noise now, so what, what were you going to say? Like, uh, you know, brought you up because you're, you're an additional Luke. There's never too many Lukes in a space. So uh, let's go, man. What you got? I was going to ask Mintify, uh, what's a CME gap? Uh, CME is the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Uh, it's it's uh, it's for bigger players, you know, uh, bigger retail. Oh, geez. Bigger retail players and like, in, 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 you know, 
just a bigger money in general. Uh, CME gap is essentially a gap in price action where uh, trading did not occur because it was closed over the weekend. It trades on traditional hours for Bitcoin. So there will not be gap. And just to give you more insight on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, uh, I know a lot about this because of like foreign exchange trading and gold trading. Basically, like large institutions are required to report, um, you know, their holdings and their trades uh, every week. So there's a week delay on that. Uh, and so, you know, how many uh, long positions and short positions there are held uh, by parties um, for, for, for futures and a number of different kind of assets. So, so it's a great way to kind of indicate, you know, what the uh, kind of sentiment is for larger play- players in the industry for a bunch of different asset classes like uh, Bitcoin futures. Um, and gold futures, a bunch of other uh, things like foreign exchange as well, like how much U.S. currency, how much uh, British pounds are holding, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, like the gap in that is is definitely a huge indicator uh, to use for crypto. And the CME gap is going from 25 to 28K? It's right around 28K. So 28K is likely well, – 25K is the weekly – the almost weekly death cross. It's not crossed yet, so it hasn't – you know, it's not confirmed. It hasn't actually happened. And then 28K is just another resistance level in the you know general area, which, I mean, it, that, that's arguable. It's $3,000 difference, the general area, not really. Um, but in terms of high, high volatility times, it very well could be. Yeah, if you guys are coming up here and you're in, you're in like a wind tunnel or a hurricane or, you know, you're out shark fishing or climbing Mount Everest, like you know, maybe it's not the time to talk. You can always DM me or, you know, right click in the bottom little purple box and ask your question and I'll ask it. No problem. Just an FYI. It's wicked loud on our headphones, um, at least on this side. So appreciate any kind of like, um, you know, self, you know, help on the, uh, on like not blowing out our eardrums. Hey, I see, I see this amazing PFP down here. Um, comfort. Is it comfort? Is that your name? Comfort? Yeah, that's an abbreviated version. Can Very, you hear me well? Yeah, I can hear you, man. I like your. Uh, I really like the gold P, uh, PFP, man. That thing's dope. Thank you, thank you. I won it by telling a joke. Well, there you go. You must be funny. Not really. More oh. philosophical than anything. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> What's up, man? I'm just trying to get a recap, see what I miss. I saw some of my favorite founders in the building: Biddy, Rasby, Crad. I want to say hello to them. I mean, they're they're moving and shaking. They're breaking things down. I see Cyrus is in here too. Miss Jay Lee's down there. I mean, it's a whole pantheon of beautiful people out here building Web three. Just wanted to come up, say hello, see what I missed while I was doing the the toil and struggle of the the muddle the muggle uh, lifestyle. I don't know. I day think in and day out. I think you came up just to rock that PFP in our face because it's so pretty. You're all like, oh, check out my PFP, guys. No big deal. No, I was actually thinking about taking it down, just switching back to my no-name one. <laughs> I like it, dude. Good times. So, Rasby, you kind of like told us what's going on in the future here, so I like it. Um, do you want to take some more questions from the audience? There's a lot of people requesting right now. Is there? Is yeah, there... yeah, sure. Let's do that. And then, I... sorry about before. I got like uh, oh, you're good, dude. Typical, like someone called me and then it interrupted that happens me, so, all the time, yeah. dude. Like that's I why it. I knew exactly what happened as soon as it happened. So you're good. I was like, you got to call. And it was a, you know, it just, it just rugs you. So got to put it on do not disturb if you don't want to get like called, but I, I obviously never do it also. So boom. Um, let's see who's up here. Who has a question for uh raspy? Anybody, anybody? I just let you up. So, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you have a question. So um, 
I am rectangle. What's up, man? I am. Rectangle. Oh, he's just loading. I think still. Yeah, he's just he's still just loading. All right. Quick. But uh, yeah, let's let's take, let's take comfort. Comfort's got his hand up. Does he? Oh, okay. Where's comfort? I don't see any hands up at all on my side. Oh, I, I took it down because you were calling on somebody else. I didn't oh, want to yeah. go for it. Comfort. You know, have yeah, the yeah. gold waving everywhere. Yeah, please go for it, my man. I was going to ask Raspy uh, what his thoughts were on affiliate marketing strategies when thinking about uh, tethering the tie from uh, brick and mortar uh, businesses into Web3. Yeah, so affiliate marketing. Um... I don't know. I guess I, I don't, I don't really have a strong opinion on affiliate marketing. Um, I think, I mean, there's some businesses where, you know, it, it is, you know, very, um, you know, very necessary in terms of like the, the whole architecture and structure of how a business is laid out. Uh, and there's some that, that just kind of, uh, I, I kind of feel like it leads to more kind of aggressive sales practices um, when there is like uh, an affiliate marketing kind of component involved. I think it really just depends on the foundation of the business um, and like what the service offering is or the product offering is like, there's a time and place for affiliate marketing in my opinion. And then there's, there's situations where it just ends up feeling like a, like a, like um, an MLM kind of scheme with affiliate marketing, which I've seen a lot of as well. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I'm kind of uh, impartial, I guess. Like I guess it's, it's kind of use case dependent uh, for whether it's, you know, good or appropriate or not. Um, I just, for me, myself, I hate when ads feel like ads. Uh, just as a consumer, like I, I, I really hate feeling like I'm really being forcefully sold or pressured into stuff. I like when that, uh, you know, consumer experience is like, I feel like I'm in control and I feel like uh, I'm making a decision for myself. Um, you know, I like, you know, I, I guess like most people in, in Web3, I think are very educated in terms of like their ability as consumers. Um, you know, they do a lot of research in advance. I'm somebody that like, you know, for example, when I buy a new electronic, I spend like an hour researching it. Um, like every angle, looking at reviews, looking at the pros and cons, like I'm kind of like OCD that way, I guess, when it comes to like things I buy or things I want to get myself invested or involved in. Um, and for that reason, I'm always really, really happy with my purchases, like 99% of the time. Um, but yeah, if it feels like too much, like I'm being sold or like incentivized uh, in, in too much of a way, or like um, just kind of like having stuff just jammed down my throat when it comes to like purchases, like I, I tend to stay away from those kind of products or services. And there are, you know, a lot of affiliate marketing platforms that tend to do that. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, as long as it's like really loose affiliate marketing, like there's a, a, a benefit for the end user, like, okay, maybe a discount uh, for the end user and be a little bit of commission for the person uh, who provided the link or some kind of uh, benefit or some, a free month of use or like some kind of like, you know, light core thing that benefits everybody around. It's like a win-win-win situation. Then uh, yeah, I'm all for it. But if it's just like sales tactics, aggressive building tier structure where it's like, you know, income generation and all that kind of stuff. I stay the fuck away from uh, affiliate marketing in those kind of circumstances. Uh, awesome. Excellent answer. Uh, one more, if, if you don't mind, I've heard you mention about the feedback loop, a two-way feedback loop with uh, how you kind of envisioned uh, the project. When, when did you uh, first come in contact uh, with the idea of feedback loops? Um, I guess kind of watching like some projects build out some, some parts, like in terms of like, I guess DAO structures were kind of like the first, uh, my first kind of like conceptualization of like understanding like a, a feedback loop and cl collaborative building. Um, and then Kickstarter campaigns in, in, in some ways too. Uh, like looking at like a lot of startups on Kickstarter, um, seeing how like, their audiences and their early investors kind of uh, 
you know, would provide comments and feedback on, on a lot of the stuff that uh, they were investing in or, or buying into um, and, and how, you know, founders and creators of these projects kind of responded to those feedbacks, um, whether they, you know, upgraded or, or changed their products or iterations or services um, in any way. I think that was kind of like the first kind of eye-opening uh, piece I saw and like seeing how, you know, DAOs, um, like these decentralized autonomous organizations moved and created initiatives and put together proposals and they had like a, a voting structure and it was like a democratic process. I thought that was like really, really cool. Because uh, I've always kind of, in every business I've ever kind of uh, you know got involved in, I've always wanted to include as many of my friends and as many people as I know know as possible. Like, not in the sense of like, um, you know, like trying to sell them on, on an idea, but in the sense of like, you know, come on in, like whatever you want to do, whatever opportunity you can kind of create for yourself. Like I encourage you to, I welcome you to um, from that kind of perspective and like trying to find a mechanism to make that work has always been a bit of a challenge because there's always like, you know, the, the, the piece of nobody's as, mo as motivated as the creator or the founder in, in a lot of cases. Right. Um, and so like that feedback loop, I think, um, you know, allowing people to uh, get involved in a process, make decisions with you and not having it become like, uh, decision-making process that's made by like, you know, a small group of people, like one to five people, I think opens that up. I like the idea of, uh, you know, everybody contributing their ideas and then executing on as many of those ideas as possible uh, because now everybody's included. Everybody has, uh, you know, kind of a piece of the pie, a, a piece of the, the story and the, and the integration and the involvement. And I think that just, what, that, that, I mean, that makes it so much funner, so much better for everybody involved because, uh, you now know that whatever you see and whatever is visible um, in terms of like, you know, a brand or an IP or an idea or a concept, it's our all, it's, it's, it's basically our collective consciousness uh, presented and working together, which I think is just like so fascinating to me. Uh, and, and it opens up things just in a far greater perspective than like the idea of like, you know, a small group of people. Uh, I think it's just kind of like the new frontier and new way of doing things. And I hope that, you know, every company, starts adopting that kind of uh, way of way of thinking because the the old way is kind of dead the hierarchy system the the uh, you know the pyramid kind of system of like these guys are at the top and every, you know they kind of make all the rules is is kind of dying I, I like to like look at things as spheres of influence um, you know people working together as spheres of influence and they're they're not being a hierarchy or a pyramid structure I think you know spheres of influence allows everybody to feel like they're they're uh, worth and their worth potential in any contribution that they make. And it allows uh, people to work together without their feeling like uh, a sense of inequality in terms of like contribution. So like kind of you get what you put in, in a sense, uh, in anything you do. And I think that's, a, uh, you know, it's a much better way for people to feel, you know, uh, that it's fair and, and the output is, is fair and there isn't like a, a weird imbalance uh, of a structure in, a, in that kind of format. Yeah. You know what? I, I have a little bit to add to that as well. <clears throat> I think it's uh the old way of thinking. And by the way, when I say old, it's really old. Uh, it's like the two thousands thinking of like product market fit. This is more of community market fit. Again, we're building for community market fit and people have with NFTs, they have a financial vested interest in actually this product slash service slash community doing well. So they're willing to take more on as an investor. They're willing to take more on as an, as an NFT holder, that a normal user following an influencer on like Instagram or Twitter, like they won't probably take action from those people. A lot of cases, like it's less than 5% in a NFT project community of 5,000 holders. Let's just say there's like a 90% chance, you know, 90% of those people are going to take the action you want them to take. And that's why NFT communities are so much more powerful now 
which is why Twitter's involved, which is why Instagram and, and Meta and all these companies are getting involved in this space because they know when you're a holder of something, a, a wearer of a jersey at a football game, you're more likely to take action and be part of that team and do things because you feel like you're part of the team. Before you say anything, Rasby, let me just shout out Dre real quick. Dr. Dre is in the house. Dre Day, one of the best dudes in the space, in the space since October of 2021. I remember when he came in and he has rocked it ever since. I just want to say hello to Dre real quick. What's up, Dre? Uh, thanks, Luke. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for calling me up. I appreciate the introduction. You know what it is, OG. Um, one of the nicest yeah. people ever, by the way. If you don't follow Dre, your day is not complete. Follow him. Super inspirational, super kind. And he's like genuine about it. He has no motives just to help people. Just like uh, good follows good and good recognizes good. And I can tell you, man, he's one of those people. Thanks, bro. I appreciate that. Um, I'm just in here listening to Raspy. You know how to come join your space. It's always educational. And it's always uh, something that I just love to listen to and learn. So Luke is uh, well known as my person that gave me my first kind of introduction into Web3. And um, yeah, I'm just here showing love, man. Luke, I appreciate you for calling me up and, and let me join the conversation, broski. Always, man. Always. Go ahead, Rasby. Sorry for the interruption. I just had to give my shout out. Oh, to no, my boy. no, no, no. Like, He's good people. Trey's yeah. the man, honestly. He really is. Uh, I agree. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you uh, you, you took a pause on that to make sure that, uh, you know, Dre gets his flowers 100%. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, you know, as this, like, like, I don't think, and we're definitely, obviously, everybody in the space who's here right now is obviously, you know, uh, pioneering and pushing culture forward. But I think that, uh, you know, there's very, very large market participants that are going to be entering the space um, this year uh, in terms of like, you know, large scale brands that are going to be, uh, you know, kind of looking to get into uh, digital collectibles and NFTs and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to see a massive shift this year in like the education and the dynamic of what uh, people understand NFTs to be. Uh, I think that the conceptualization of like, you know, NFTs are a monkey JPEG is going to disappear this year. Um, you know, there's, there's huge market forces that I know of that are at play. Uh, I obviously can't go into too much detail about that, but uh, I know that there's huge participants that are going to be entering the space that are going to really change the dynamic and change the shift of education of what NFTs are, what digital collectibles are, and like how they can be used at scale. Um, and we're going to start seeing that across every industry, music, uh, e-commerce, um, like art, fashion. Uh, we're going to see that real big shift come this year, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think there's going to be big changes for sure. I don't know as much as you, clearly. Um, you got some inside tip. Um, there's some Founders Club that I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, a member of yet. <laughs> Just kidding. Hey, Just kidding, by the way. I don't think there's a Founders Club. Uh, hey, Lucas, can yeah. I interrupt? Yeah, please. So I wanted to tell you, do you, do you oh, so Comfort here. Comfort, did you tell your story how you got your NFT? Because I think this is one of the most awesome stories. He told the joke, dude. He told the joke. He already said it. But if you want to go into the longer version, Comfort, go for it. Oh, right. yeah. Tell, tell him because I think it's awesome. Comfort's a guy who's been in my community for a long time. All right. I trust you. If you vouch, yeah. then I, okay, good I, to go. It's a good thing. Like, you don't hear good things happening, good people. When we're talking about good, Comfort, tell him your story, brother. Yeah, I want to be, I want to, I want to be, be comforted. Let's do it. <laughs> I can, uh, but I might refrain from the joke. This is a recorded space. I was having to tell it to a very salty ex-vet. So choose your audience, you know. Um, but the gentleman had, you know, fallen victim to uh, the particular hat that had caught uh, AKCB off guard, which they were able to mitigate. And from that, able to save other projects in the process, which is super profound to think about uh, us helping each other. But instead of doubling down, into like, oh, I hate this space, everybody in it, I'm done with NFTs, blah, blah, blah. He chose generosity 
and decide to have a joke telling contest. So he wouldn't feel so down or serious about it. Whoever made him laugh won. And he, I told this joke, uh, and it sent him to the floor. It was a very crass joke. Uh, and in response, he pulled a AKCB off the floor and sent it over to me. And, you know, he's like, good on you, mate, yada, yada. And the next couple of days, hits reveal. And then, boom, it's this golden little Buddha in my hand, uh, which one day may free me from my economic shackle, shackles of uh, physical labor and allow me to kind of soar into block three uh, properly. But until then, you know, uh, having this golden ticket has allowed me to look in-depthly at AKCB's uh, project, its structure, its community, those spheres of influence uh, that Raspi was talking about. And in writing, uh, as I'm a writer, we have this thing we always try to escape, which is the monomyth or the hero's journey. And once you realize that the monomyth is just a piece, it's a sphere of influence, and you pan out, you have this moral mosaic, which tells a greater story and a larger picture. And when I look at the project structure of AKCB, I see how it can use the feedback loop as well as its fractal organization to be able to scope and scale and pivot as the ecosystem requires, uh, not only influencing the ecosystem, but by gently being influenced by it as well. Um, but it's been a crazy, wonderful ride. Uh, I've seen so many talented minds come across blockchains uh, into this project. And that alone is almost worth more than my gold because as uh, an emerging uh, disruptive technology, um, you know, we need to adapt and overcome as fast as possible at an exponential growth rate. And not only that, we have to bring our communities together so that we can stave off the uh, saber-toothed predators that exist just beyond the grasslands, so to speak. I love this guy. <laughs> Do you see why I interrupt? I'm a you fan. Know? I'm a fan. You don't, it, dude, you don't have to apologize or even say you interrupt to, to me. You're to allowed hear, to interrupt, man. You're my dude, homie. Dude, Comfort, Comfort speaks like, a, like literally like a poet. Like dude, your name couldn't to, it be better, right? Yes. Just, I'm very just comforted. To hear, to hear the words moral mosaic makes my day happy. Yeah. I couldn't believe you just said that. I was just like, wow, that is a... Those are some uh, some interesting words to wrap together. Comfort, you are a skilled practitioner. Dre, you have but, your hand up, but Dre's going to take precedence just because I know Dre. I know it's nepotism, everybody. Hate me for it. Love me for it. I don't know. Just Dre's a nice guy. You got your hand up. What's up, brother? Appreciate you, OG. Um, I had a quick question for Rafs. Um, Rafs, I was in the, a Beach Street uh, group chat. I know we had spoke about this um, in the last space we were in, bro. Um, I heard something in the in the group chat about the label you were talking about um, for 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 AKCB uh, dropping yep. in two weeks. I was just curious if you can kind of I missed that, so I wanted to see if you can touch on touch on that just real quick, so I can get some info on that. Yeah, definitely. So the first thing we're going to start with, and we're actually going to launch this initiative today, is uh, work towards uh, kind of creating uh, the very first mixtape uh, from a kid called Beast. So we want artists inside uh, Beat Street and Ramon Alley. So these are the two music orientated. Uh, Beast Hoods, to kind of start working towards um, getting kind of music production ready uh, in terms of like, uh, you know, kind of creating a, a little bit of a compilation album. Uh, and so, so the idea there is going to be that, um, you know, we release this album as a community, obviously, uh, you know, we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to push it through traditional spheres and traditional uh, mechanisms like Spotify, iTunes, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and to kind of just see, you know, um, how 
it goes. We're obviously going to, you know, uh, push that to different uh, playlist curators and, and obviously, you know, amplify uh, the reach of that ability as well. Uh, but the idea is, um, you know, anybody who is in the B Street will have, uh, you know, a contract with that as well, too, where they can sign off. They can obviously earn uh, royalties and revenue from from their share of the, the mixtape. Uh, and then the the revenue that's generated on the uh, King Call B side is obviously you know, re-injected back into the treasury to allow us to do, you know, future mixtapes, uh, you know, something bigger and better uh, each time. Uh, obviously, we're going to inject uh, some capital from the treasury into the very first one to make sure that it has legs to stand on and give it the, you know, the best opportunity we can. Um, but the idea is, um, first and foremost, you know, obviously the, the existing traditional platforms, they're not broken, right? They still, uh, they still drive revenue in terms of like iTunes, uh, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. Like I have friends that uh, are not massive artists, but they earn a very, very good living just off uh, streaming revenue. Um, so, so that mechanism we're going to uh, maintain. But what we want to build beyond that, um, we have some, some really cool ideas for how to actually release uh, this mixtape as a physical piece. So some one idea we came up with was uh, like a vinyl record, for example, something that has like a QR code capability, where if you were to scan this vinyl record, uh, not only would you have authentication that this uh, record is on the blockchain, it's a, it's a true genuine copy, it has a proof of ownership, but also like an augmented reality behind the scenes experience. So for example, like maybe, uh, maybe it's a video uh, clip uh, of, you know, one of the, the uh, artists on that album, you know, uh, doing an unplugged version of the song, like an acapella or like an in-studio uh, clip of like them producing the song and, and kind of like a behind the scenes of what it took to create the song or maybe even a little story uh, about the song. We can include all that kind of stuff in augmented reality as like a, a very unique and personal experience for the end user, the listener, the, the fan that wouldn't be traditionally available in like just a regular streaming song or a, a regular vinyl record. Um, we can kind of unlock these really cool one-on-one -on -one experiences um, through kind of utilizing blockchain technology, you know, the existing streaming platform that works. And then of course, uh, augmented reality, which is something that we're going to be deep diving into ourselves in terms of like integrations and, and possibilities of like unique experiences that you can uh, you know, ex experience only on your smart device for now. And obviously as we, you know, move into new technologies and as we're, you know, we all get head, uh, headsets deployed, which is, as we know, the, most likely the next device we're all going to be using is like a headset, probably from Apple or, or Google or whoever uh, releases it first. Uh, but, but being kind of ready for those, you know, augmented reality experiences that we're all going to be uh, uh, kind of getting accustomed to. Um, this is going to be kind of like that first step of what that looks like. And uh, yeah, we got some really cool ideas for things we want to do artistically with music and with augmented reality. But uh, yeah, this will be kind of the first pathway into getting, you know, that underway. And, uh, you know, as we have the music released, you know, it's going to be uh, really cool. We can do with a physical or digital copy of that. Yeah, I love it. Super okay. dope, bro. No, my bad, Luke. I was going to say super dope. Um, I want to be involved. Obviously, we've been talking about it. And I love your philosophy. I've heard you speak on it plenty of times and in many spaces I've been in with you and just the sheer numbers and the sheer ways that we can, you know, organically, organically promote it through our, through our, um, our new community, you know, and, and being able to have the numbers to back that. So I'm with it, bro. Um, keep me posted. I definitely want to be involved in that. So I'm going to go Ramon and then I'm going to go crad and then I'm going to go merge. So go for it. Uh, Ramon, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on everybody. Thanks for having me up, Lucas. What's going on? Raf, crad. Um, love the space and just wanted to ask, um, you know, is there any, um, like, uh, like back, like lines of communication? I know I have, like, I have your telegram raft and I have you guys, um, you know, your DMS and stuff like that, but you're also, you're obviously very busy 
And, you know, I got a lot of stuff going on. I'm making a game and stuff like that. It's like going to be like a crazy, um, like that we um, basically like a like b-boy like dancing game it's going to be like time like Parappa the Rapper style like a bunch of cool stuff and I just want to know like is there any way to like start getting the ball rolling as far as like contacting you guys with the IP stuff and talking about the trademarking and talking about like other is there someone I could contact that's like a liaison for that or um, are you guys setting something up for that for like comms like in between for like t- uh, team members and stuff yeah, are you talking about like doing something like officially with like the kid called Beast like trademark name? Absolutely. I want to just I want to yeah, start getting that like yeah, exactly start getting that conversation started. Yeah, for sure. So like at this stage right now, uh, with like what's released with the IP rights, um, we wanted to just basically give creators the ability to just start building things out with the models so that they're not under like uh, you know legal restrictions to be able to not uh, build things. So so everyone's kind of encouraged to already you know start building out whatever they want to build out uh with the, with the character models they have the ip rights to do that as long as like obviously there's no lewd content or like uh, adult only content like they can pretty much create anything um we're still building out the framework for what it's going to look like with like in terms of uh partnerships and like a uh, trademark usage of like the the logo and the, the donness of the name like uh, a kid called beast and like, the abbreviated akcb name uh we are going to be you know obviously pretty flexible in terms of like you know partnerships and, and all that kind of stuff but right now it's it's a matter of like first off creating it uh, in a way that like makes sense legally as a partnership uh second creating a brand bible or, or kind of brand guidelines for how like the the image and and the the logo should be used appropriately to like make sure that the whole brand looks cohesive because um, we are trying to build a brand that isn't only like uh, a web3 exclusive brand it's something that uh you know we'll be able to uh, expand and onboard outside of like you know this this very at this time you know small ecosystem that is web3 um but yeah um at this point it's kind of just like like we obviously have like you know limited resources. We're 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 still a startup at this stage. Like we're trying to basically build out and scale as we go. Um, so like the comms are a little slow at times. Um, we're working on methods that kind of streamline this process. There's going to be a, a whole business center that we're working on on the back end uh, that's going to allow people to like make submissions and like get those guidelines and like uh, go through all that that kind of stuff in a more auto- automated way versus having like one-on-one conversations with different uh, business owners. We want to kind of have like a one-stop kind of uh, system that eliminates like that human element of having to go back and forth and like reiterate things. So I would just say like, honestly, keep building, be patient. We're not going to be like restrictive gatekeeper type people. Like I'm definitely not that kind of person. Nobody on the team is that kind of person. Like we encourage everybody to just make shit. There's people that are already making stuff that says like AKCB on it and uses the logo on it. And we're not trying to do like cease and desist or anything like that. We're not like Nazi founders. Like we're very, very open ended with like open sourcing things and like letting people do stuff. We're not going to hit people with DMCAs uh, for stuff. Uh, it's just a matter of like, I don't know. Um, don't do anything that would be like upsetting to anybody else. Uh, when the time comes to do like the, the whole structural foundation of it, it'll be pretty flexible. It'll be pretty straightforward. It won't be restrictive. Um, so yeah, I would just say keep building. We're working as fast as we can to get like that infrastructure set up. And when it's ready, uh, you'll be able to go through that process. In the meantime, if there's like kind of you know specific things you want to summarize, I would just say, you know, write out as many of the components as possible and then, you know, summarize questions at the end for what you need help on. And then we can deliver you something actionable in terms of like answering your questions versus like uh, a back and forth uh, conversation about like, you know, kind of like one question at a time and, and deriving an answer for you. I would say summarize as many of your ideas as possible so that we can give you the responses kind of in one streamlined way and keep the conversation the flow uh, going in that way for now. 
Awesome. Okay, yeah, perfect then. So I'll definitely hit you up on the back channels, like as usual, on on Telegram and stuff like that. And yeah, I just like it's because it's not even about like what I need. It's really like I have a crap ton of resources that I could bring to the table to help expedite the process on a lot of things for like you know getting products out and stuff like that. So I just love to be a source of help in general. You know, and that's really what I'm trying to get at at this point. Like, you know, like I got game development companies, I have fashion labels, I have brands, I have so much stuff that just fits in with what's going on that we can just hit the ground running. So, like, that's why I just want to, like, get this get these inroads going is build these bridges as quick as possible between us. So that way we can really just, you know, build this IP out and show them that not that, like, not only are we dope on a speculative on a speculative nature, but like we're executing immediately, you know, on all levels, on all fronts. Dope. Hey, Crad, go for it, my man. Crad. Am I rugged or is Crad just like chilling with his hand up? I, I, I am rugged. Brother. Sorry. <laughs> it's no, all good, dude. All good. All good, yeah. brother. You had your hand up. Go for it, man. <laughs> um, yeah. You know what? I, I'm going to pose this question out to you guys because, like, I posed this the other day. And I, I think also, yeah, it's amazing. I just saw Bitcoin broke 24. That's insane. Um, but uh no i was gonna say imagine if this is like uh elon musk's you know front running for large language models for ai you know like this is because like you just have the most like unridiculous amount of recorded like you know all this audio and you could just train it with so much large language models like this would be like the jump shot if you're trying to like fight amazon or like apple for that whole like or alexa i guess yeah like the whole google thing um yeah, I mean, be... you could win the voice war here. There's no question. Literally, though, because it's just so much like a corpus of data that's just so wildly accessible. And I can't think anywhere else where like you just chill and chat with your friends and literally say like every word in the human dictionary. So I don't know. But yeah, uh, something I just wanted to pose and leave with people. I like it. I like where your head's mm-hmm. at, man. It's definitely, a, it's definitely a smart move if he did that. We don't really know his motivations, though. I think he did it just to, uh, I think he was kind of like forced into it at the end of the day. I think he tried to get out of it. Um, but you know, he's trying to make the best of it now. What are you guys thoughts? I mean, I'm down to talk about it, but I also see, um, you know, merge, merge done. Um, that has a question as well. So what's up merge done. Yeah. Hi. I, I, thanks for having me on. <laughs> I had to press the, the mic button by accident and, uh, you put me on stage. I was like, all right, why not? I'll, uh, I'll, I'll have a little chat. Uh, nice seeing everyone. It's a great, great space. I've never been to this one before and there's been a lot of great points. Um, I actually just got a question for Raspi as well uh, in regards to uh, building communities on multiple chains because um, my, my sort of chain go-to was, was like Avax. I've been watching, uh, I've been sort of following that for the last couple of years and decided to, to you know, to, to build my own project. But from like a perspective of, you know, uh, building up, um, I don't know, like guidance for security uh, or onboarding new people, do you think it'll be a good idea to maybe have some sort of a general community within the beasts of bringing other chains together and just trying to work out best way to to communicate? You know, like like for example, like key people from I don't know, like Polygon or Cardano um, beasts, and then you know we'll speak to each other about sharing typically like what's happening within those chains because it's obviously hard to follow all these individual chains, um, and um, also. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, it's been quite funny because I've been speaking to a few spaces in AVAX and then I look at my PFPs like, oh, is that a new project? And I'm like, yeah, but it's on, on ETH. <laughs> so I'm sort of also trying to gap that bridge where 
uh, almost like I don't know, like like bringing communities from both ends, you know, to experience both chains in a way, but expand that further across like all the other chains that are doing quite well as well. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, at the time, for the time being, I guess um, you know we chose uh, Ethereum because it is, uh, you know, it definitely has like the most amount of liquidity and potential in terms of like uh, creating something that is uh, dynamic and and obviously you know both both tradable and but also uh, you know. Uh, ease of access, I guess, for, for newcomers. Um, like we have our own DeFi swap, for example, with a kid called Beast, like um, that we that we built out that is uh, allows people to kind of be onboarded into crypto uh, without um, having set up an exchange account. Like we, we try to make this NFT as frictionless as possible for onboarding new users. Like for example, uh, and, and I'll explain why I'm talking about this and, and uh, kind of you know what we're doing here. But like I was able to onboard somebody into crypto and get a kid called Beast uh, like before launch, while I was at Best Buy charging my phone, I got I, I onboarded a Best Buy employee uh, who didn't know anything about crypto, didn't have a crypto wallet, didn't have own a single NFT, uh, and I was able to onboard him in like five minutes onto why NFTs are cool, why crypto is cool, what is Ethereum, how to set up a wallet. I was able to do that whole process in five minutes and have him understand uh, the benefit of you know participating in a in a collective community, uh, you know, surrounded by uh, you know art creation augmented reality technology music fashion etc and this was just a guy who'd never uh, owned any ethereum any crypto or anything i sent him, i sent him like uh like 100 bucks worth of ethereum uh while i was getting my phone charged and uh oh did i rug i can hear oh. you oh there we go sorry about that you did not um, rug. yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah I, I basically just explained it and walked him through crypto and it like blew his mind and it was so easy for him to set up a you know a metamask wallet go on to the DeFi swap uh, and be able to like, you know, do his first swap um, and just be able to kind of understand how that whole process worked. Um, and then just being able to, uh, you know, understand NFTs and obviously explain to him, don't, and don't click on any links. Just, you know, once you have this, store this away, people are going to try to take it from you and, uh, you know, use these as the official means and mechanisms. And I still text back and forth with him to kind of like walk him through, but uh, Ethereum has it made it very easily at this stage for onboarding people. It has a, a very high level of compatibility with a lot of, uh, you know, platforms looking to make, uh, you know, DeFi frictionless in terms of like, you know, credit card onboarding, et cetera. Um, there's a ton of liquidity uh, that different providers uh, have for, for Ethereum at this stage. It's a very developed ecosystem. I would say it's a very decentralized ecosystem compared to a lot of others. So, so I trust it for that reason. Um, in terms of like, it's, you know, it's uptime, it's, it's, it's quite high in terms of its fees, they're reasonable. Um, and in terms of like, you know, accessibility, I think it's, it's also, you know, very recognizable. Um, that's why we made that, that decision. Obviously, you know, we are not uh, Ethereum maxis by any stretch. Um, you know, I, I myself hold probably like 20 different tokens I've been holding for like three years, uh, plus, um, you know, Avalanche is a great chain. Uh, Polygon's a great chain. There's, there's so many, uh, you know, uh, EVM and non-EVM chains that are amazing that, that serve a purpose and stuff, but we are at this stage, you know, limited in our team's capacity. Like people. You know, because we've executed this thing, seem to think that we're like this, you know, massive, like 200 or 500 person team. Um, but really, it's like at the end of the day, there's like five founders and a number of, uh, you know, staff that help out uh, in terms of like, you know, the day to day operations. So like for us to like have the resources to start looking after like Avalanche and start looking after Polygon and Solana, like we just don't have the the numbers or the, the resources to do that, nor is there like any uh, at this stage. um like motivating benefit to you know expand uh, the collection of these chains into these chains. Like we definitely welcome and partner with different communities uh, on different chains. Like we've 
got a you know a very big uh, community of people that are, are enthusiasts of NFTs on Cardano, uh, on Solana, uh, people that we've you know kind of onboarded who are now kind of hybrid, uh, you know, um, participating in both chains. And that's kind of how we're approaching things. Like we want to support other creators of other NFTs, other collections on different chains, and be kind of like you know a bridge because there's absolutely no reason to compete, especially you know chain to chain. But uh, as far as like creating solutions to like, uh, I guess kind of come up with like centralized educational resources, it gets really hard, right? Cause like we're focused on building this project for the community, you know, teaching other people about, uh, you know, this project in terms of like becoming a liaison and, and summarizing data that's happening across all teams dynamically, but we're just not equipped for that. And so, so we're kind of like, I guess, uh, I mean, it's still the same uh, format of, you know, people have to rely on their own structure and their own educational resources, you know, YouTube videos, following the right influencers to get their market data updates. Um, Cause yeah, like our, like we're spread thin, like me and crowd work 12, 14 hours a day, seven days a week. And uh, we, we, we can still barely keep up to what's going on. If we, if we start stacking on like chain relationships and giving people market updates internally as a team, like it's just like, nothing's going to get done at that point. It's going to be just like a new center really. Oh, yeah, appreciate that. Um, no, I, I think maybe, maybe, um, maybe the beast can make it easier for you perhaps like where, you know, the, the main information comes from ETH and that can be changed, you know, shared across the other chains, uh, like guidelines, for example, like maybe that's, that's the way of doing it. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, um, I mean, here's the thing though, like, um, with that kind of method, how do we, you know, validate and confirm that it is, for example, you know, the true or the, the authentic information, right. Without a, an additional consensus, right. It kind of centralizes things a little too far, and when you centralize things a little too far, in my opinion, it leads to uh, room for error because we're all humans, right? Humans can make errors, humans can uh, provide the wrong information. So I really still think that you know the, the power of education should really come down to the end user uh, and, and kind of look for multiple you know points and sources of contact to validate their data and the information they take in because you know it, if if you go through a single source, you know if that one person you know makes a mistake you can get the wrong information and then you're going to be sharing the wrong information with others. If you have, you know, kind of multiple sources and multiple streams that you go through to validate your data uh, and, and kind of find your own truth in between uh, what you take in, um, I think it's going to just create a, a better, um, I guess, learning or educational uh, process in the end or an update process in the end. Uh, I mean, that's my thought at least uh, on it. Like I, I, I'm like kind of against any form of centralization uh, for the most part when it comes to like data and knowledge. You know, I have trusted authorities, but I, I, I never, I never point to a single source myself. I appreciate that. Thanks for your time, Raf. Yeah, I got a, I got a another hand up that went down. Wallet Guard had his hand up. What's up, Wallet Guard? Hey, I just wanted to comment on what Crad said about like all the data that Twitter had access to. I think it's actually such a power play if Elana uh, is actually using this data for AI, because at the end of the day, when it comes to AI technology it's data is like king, right? So like the more data you have, the more accurate your models are going to be, the more precise everything is. And natural language models have been proven to be one of the biggest factors. I mean, everybody saw how chat GPT rose. I don't know if anybody was following, but Google launched something called Google Bard or something along those lines. And they had some kind of error and their stock price like slid 7%, which was like a hundred billion. And chat GPT, their parent company is worth like 30 billion. I found pretty hysterical, but yeah, uh, AI is huge. Yep. Open AI is definitely, definitely doing it right right now. There's no question about it. Google's got to catch up. Although they've had deep, I think it's called deep mind. 
was their their uh their quantum yeah, computer he, AI generating machine. Deep Mind was only intended for um for playing video games. Like it learned on the language like the language model of like point and click. And the reason why it was so sophisticated is because they essentially took it um took it against the best players in the world, deep sixed its mind on like I think it was like times I want to say it was like times 12 or times like 20 something in replay speed. So the speed was incredibly high and it would play with all the games on the highest function while watching at the same time for like best outcome probability. And it, it literally encased, I think it was like 10 years of gaming in like six months. Like it was like, it, it was like the, essentially like a battle warrior. And that was like the deep mind framework. Um, and they used that to win go as well, which is like insane. Cause they figured out to be best like Chinese player in the world. Um, so yeah, like I, I agree that any type of big like data syncs into AI are huge wins. Uh, you know, Twitter Spaces, if you really, really like really turn the rock over, like it, it would be the most genius move. And when you think about it from like a, a bigger like lens, it it just doesn't make sense to not have it. Like it, it would be like if Apple was to, like bad enough to not use all of the crazy amounts of audio it gets for its AI. You know what I mean? Like there's just like there's just too much upside to it. Yeah, um, I'm sure they're using it. I'm sure they're they're using it for some purposes. And of course, Elon's uh, you know, co-founder of OpenAI, right? And he owns Twitter. So it's just obvious that he could, you know, transact yeah, exactly. between the two companies pretty easily and you know, there's nothing anybody could do about it. That's just part of the deal. I well, not even he's actually like an advisor now. Like he had to step down from OpenAI because of conflicts with Tesla. Um, because Tesla's AI and all that. So he wanted to step down from a conflict, conflict of interest perspective, but he's still there as like an advisor on their board and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, the the amount of stuff that these two companies can accomplish together is ridiculous. Like there's a reason why nobody has the same driving capabilities of like automated driving capabilities that Tesla has. It's just purely the, from a data standpoint, they're just doing better on that. Yeah, completely agree. Like OpenAI is becoming such a unique standpoint. And the biggest thing as well is like, I think that these AI bots as they move forward, it's not going to be about like chat GPT-3 or whatever. That's just one you know right now. But the ones that have the biggest amount of access, the biggest corpus of data, the guys who are, you know, stealing renders from Craigslist or pulling like full data sets off of like, um, you know, things like Spotify or like, you know, Shopify or any of these kind of things where there's just like huge piles of data that's just waiting to be read. Um, it's now they're getting gated, right? That's why Twitter is gating its API point. But the thing is, like these companies now, like Facebook even can sell this huge layer of data into another company to help train its AI. And it essentially the, the fire hoses that you expose this AI to is what, how sophisticated they're going to become. So I think there's going to be like a new almost like a, a privacy metric where people are going to pay large sums of money to get access to ongoing like fire hoses of data. Yeah. I like that you said, I like that you brought that up by the way, especially with the Twitter API being charged now, you know what I mean? Like it's, it was on this freemium model where you could have a certain number of calls per hour. And then, you know, they, they kind of gated you at a certain number of calls. Now it's like a hundred dollars. And I don't really even know what you get with that, that hundred dollars a month to, to their API. I don't think it's fire hose. I think Firehose is still like, you know, thousands of dollars a month, depending on how many API calls you do. But if it is Firehose for a hundred dollars, I don't know if anybody knows anything about APIs, but if you get a Firehose API um, access from Twitter for a hundred dollars a month, do it. <laughs> That's a crazy good deal. I know people that went out of business because their entire business was reliant on Twitter's API. And then they turned off access to Firehose and started charging crazy amounts of money for it. 
And they were like, yeah, we can't afford the fire hose payment for Twitter's API. So we got to shut the doors. So it definitely happens. It's Speaking of uh, data, do you guys see Shirley Lowe in the audience? I feel like if anyone has oh more <laughs> on it, it's Lowe. <laughs> so here's what, just so you guys know, I just want to give, I want to try and dis, like dispel some rumors here. Shirley Lowe isn't what you, th- I don't think it is what you think it is. I think it's just somebody building up a Twitter account to a certain level and then they can switch it to whatever they want to later. And now they have hundreds of thousands of followers of NFT people. Um, they're in every, you know, that person's in every one of our spaces, regardless if it's a, a real person or not. And, uh, you know, they're just garnering tons and tons of followers and tons of attention. And eventually that account is going to be worth a lot of money and someone's going to buy it and they're going to switch the profile picture and clear out the tweets and they're going to have hundreds of thousands of followers they can access now in a certain category of business. Again, community market fit, guys. They're building a community of followers, and then they're going to service that community with a product or a service. Trust me. I know. That, I was going to say, that was deep, bro. Like, I, I got to ask you, like, is that your account? Is this, is this <laughs> if Shirley Lowe was my account, would I be here right now, bro? I'd be in, like, the Virgin Islands somewhere, just, like, sipping on a pina colada. Going Shirley's Shirley's back to work, baby. Let's go. So no. What you're saying is we only need one Shirley Low account to be sipping pina coladas in the Bahamas. Well, do you, have you seen how many followers she has? <laughs> <laughs> She's got 100, 100, 125,000 followers, bro. I'm a real person that talks. <laughs> and she has more followers than me. So that's proof that her version of reality and her version of like engagement farming works great. Like she has social proof figured out. They have like photoshopped images of her in like communities and like up talking on stages with people and all sorts of stuff that someone went through a lot of work to like go, oh, wow, Shirley knows Gary Vee. Oh, wow, Shirley knows this. Shirley's part of this. Holy cow, this is so cool. And that's enough social proof for most people to just follow her. Plus everybody's like, oh, let's follow her because she's a bot and who knows who she is. Dude, I've been accused of Shirley Lowe like 10 times. People love conspiracy theories in this space. I, I need to know who she is now. Like, can you send me her profile? Like, I, like I'm actually curious. I'm like scrolling through this like sea of people. I'm actually fun. dating Shirley Low. I'm actually dating Shirley Low. I'm feeling. I have a feeling Why it's are you a. Gonna tell me this. Come I have on. a feeling it's a very. It's a very one-sided relationship. I have a feeling. I think we should all individually just shout, "I'm Shirley." I'm Shirley Low. Yeah, Shirley Lowe's come up on stage before, just never said anything. I mean, we are all Shirley Lowe. Might as well be Greg. You guys know you guys I know mean, Gre- the Greg account. <laughs> is this becoming like an anon thing, guys? Like, what's going on here? Like, invite her up. Let's let's. You know, She's not going to say anything. Lowe. She never talks because it's probably a dude behind the account. <laughs> let's be honest, dude. You know this probably, <laughs> dudes. When the when Spaces first started, there used to be an account that would come in and have like these automated responses. It was the it was, do uh, you guys remember the website RagingBull.com? The the CEO. Of, I do. Yeah, so the CEO of Raging Bull automated his account and had some, I don't know, maybe some low-level social media person in here running around spaces, like coming up to talk. Everybody's like, oh, of course, let him up. He's the CEO of Raging Bull. And as soon as you let him up to talk, he unmutes his mic and it just plays these like automated recordings. And it was just like, oh, this is super awkward. So like that is so cringe. What it was, dude. It was super. It was super weird. We're like, no, dude. Just so you know, like, there's like three or four people claiming to to be dating Shirley Lowe right now. So you guys need a Jerry Springer episode, I think, on this one. 
That's just my gut. That's my gut tells me. Yeah, someone hold Machiavelli back. Hold him back. Okay, guys, come on. Okay, let's uh, let's all hash it out here. Right. You know, it's beast mode up in this year. These vibes. Hey, Raspy, is it time? Do you do you have like a you have extra time to just hang out with us, or do you got you got some some stuff to do, my man? Um. Yeah, I was gonna kind of like wind down here because I got yeah. I got to eat. I haven't even I haven't eaten eaten anything. Yet. I was gonna make Same. myself some tacos. So yeah, ditto, brother. T- tacos right there, man. That's that's the bomb, bro. Right the taco the taco diet. I, I I should be not. It's how I lost like thirty pounds just eating tacos every day. Seriously? I mean, you yeah. have to. You had to, obviously. You couldn't just no. eat tacos, like unlimited no, tacos. No, no, literally, like, the first time I lost, like, a ton of weight, because I obviously, like, degen and sat my ass on a computer for, like, days upon end. But, uh, yeah, uh, tacos, man, just uh, a smoothie for, like, the first meal of the day, and then tacos for lunch, three tacos. Okay, uh, that's what I was going to say. fish tacos, shrimp okay. tacos, veggie tacos, avocado, like, just three tacos. Got it. And then din- dinner, I always just keep it, like, you know, like, whatever, pretty open format. Uh, but yeah, those, I swear, man, it's those three tacos a day. Uh, and it's, it's easy, right? You can make tacos a hundred different ways. And I, I uh, what about exercise? Did you throw a little exercise in there or was it just food? Not at first, man. At first it was like the most, most of it was just diet. And then like, as you know, weight started coming off, obviously I got into exercising. I got it back into like Muay Thai, got into like hitting the gym and stuff. And then like things really started picking up. Like I'm in probably in the best shape I've been in the last like i don't know 10 10 years for sure like feel like i'm reversing the aging process for sure love it uh but but it all started with the tacos man i'm telling you like i got so much i've never heard of the taco man. diet who no, is there I, a taco diet online somewhere thing bro i don't think it's actually even a real really a thing i, I don't think it was either, myself yeah. that's pretty and cool. i told crowd about it and even crowd when he was on the taco diet like <laughs> tell him man taco diet <laughs> no dude it's a thing it's really a thing like i actually was just literally sitting here thinking about it as i'm like ordering something on skip the dishes i'm like man i should get back in the fucking taco diet like it's <laughs> it's a vibe man it is you just you just go like weekly you just go and get like a little thing of like uh you know fried like beef to fry and just get some nice sauces and like a couple just little hard yeah like lettuce and... onions tomatoes corn yeah, tomatoes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, keep keep it simple right and it's like it's always portion controlled like you know if you're someone smaller you eat two if you're someone bigger you know eat three or four you're good to go crazy man i like it um taco bell i'm sure is really happy to hear about the taco diet no for no sure. not taco bell do taco not bell, eat bro. taco bell taco. <laughs> yeah yo taco bell like you're pretty much you're, you're eating dog meat if you're eating taco bell yeah i i read somewhere and, and it turned out to be true like it's like it's as great soon, if as soon as you get taco bell tacos they expire within like five or ten minutes and uh they're just bad after that according that's what they said if you <clears throat> eat it right away they go bad within like minutes of them being like handed over to you. It's like McDonald's fries. Like they're eternal, you know, in a way, like you can just like, you can, you can store McDonald's fries. Have you ever seen that? that oh, thing where you take yes. McDonald's fries and you put it in like a bag or whatever. And it, it, they'll literally be identical. Like 18 months later. Have you seen that? They actually have one on display. It's like a burger and fries and they're still there on display somewhere and it's been like 30 or 40 years just sitting oh there like is it like an air airlock chamber kind of yeah thing? yeah yeah composed yep and everybody's like looking it's like at a museum somewhere i believe it's that's pretty crazy wild. yeah it's crazy man and it's still intact and it's like oh, it's so like think about that like if that's going in your body like what what that's like you know that's running through your digestive system and like it's able to be basically like this unalterable form like i don't know that can't be good for you if your body no. can't like break it down like there's yeah Cleans you out, but leaves you hollow inside, my man. I agree. Totally. It's totally. not good. Thanks for, uh, dude, thanks for coming and spending some time with us today. Yeah, I mean, we've spent space. so much what time. Space, right? We yeah. talked about so much cool stuff. And, 
yeah, I, I hope it was informative for everybody. Um, I'm getting I mean, nothing I'm, but compliments, dude, through the DMs. Everybody's yeah, like, man, I, you, I you're dropping alpha. I so. learned a lot. Yeah. I think everybody learned a lot because everybody shared. And that's the beauty of uh, the space. Everybody's sharing, everybody caring. And uh, you know, we all get better. We all get smarter. We all get stronger. It's amazing. Yeah, man. And it's such a pleasure to, to speak to, you know, a founder of a project that's just really legit like this. And Fiddy comes like, you know, boy, like barling in here like, oh, yeah, he's great. And it's like, okay, great. Thanks, Fiddy. And, um, you know, I already knew that. So uh, thanks for Fiddy for being here. Dre, thanks for being here. Rasby, thanks for being here. Cree, Cre sorry, crowd. I almost fucking called you Credo. What the fuck's wrong with me today? Um, yeah, man. All you guys that came up here and, and the audience as well. You guys rock. Thanks for being here as always. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. So get ready for another show tomorrow. Rasby, again, such a pleasure to have you and your crew and crowd and everybody. So, um, yeah, maybe we can do this again, man, because you're just good people to hang out with. Oh, yeah, definitely. No, like, uh, yeah, we had a great time. We'll be back 100%. Awesome, dude. Yeah, appreciate it. And then, guys, don't forget, tomorrow's show, same time, 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. is really not the same time. I I, I switch it up for, for individuals who, uh, who, who, who actually ask for it. So I'm like, yeah, screw it. I'm not going to keep the show time. So, but thanks again, guys, for tuning in, and we will see you tomorrow. Bye. A scream that comes a thousand miles, it might be yours, it might be mine.